The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. <laughs> See, our old friend the Cricket Noise is, is, has joined us for this one. Um, uh, I am your host, Ryder Cat. You can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News News Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And the sound effects you've heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one eight and underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? And also with us tonight, if you are watching the video version or listening, this is our friend of the show, one Matt Wayne ninety seven. I guess also hailing from Brooklyn. I don't know. No, yeah, that's exactly yeah. That's that's exactly my Twitter and Instagram accounts. Right, but not from Brooklyn. Say what's up to the people, Matt Wang ninety seven. <laughs> what's up, everyone? Thanks for having me again. I'm so excited to be back. I swear I'm going to play it one more time. Is Manhattan in the house? I'm in there. Uh, got it, got it, got it. You're from, uh, from Big Time. I got you. That's <laughs> from, that, that, that is uh, from uh, uh, off the Hello Nasty Beastie Boys album. I think it's uh, Disco, uh, what is the track called? Disco Dancing, something like that? Oh so. my God, I haven't heard that in years. Yep. There's a theme going. There seems to be a Beastie Boys theme starting to go around in this program. I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> nah, man. You know, like like I didn't play my Beastie track. You know, that's true. that's true. But you have one. Oh, I do have my. I do have one. I do have one. I played Jay. So yeah. So, but yes, folks. Long time uh, listeners, watchers of the show would we'll, we'll know Matt from from being on various times in the past. So we're we're happy to have him on again. And I guess there's yeah, a lot of times it is. Usually after Comic Con is where we would have him on. So no coincidence there. Right. Uh, anyway, folks, let me get into the rest of the spiel before we go. Go ahead and get uh, headlong into the show. So yes, you can find this here show on the call, um, the coast of the podcast at CSPN.us. Do it today. That is the CSPN Network. You can also find us in your podcast provider place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Also, recording, uh, find us recording every Thursday night, 9:30 ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube.com/slash/DTWNation and Twitch.tv/slash/Comicbook Chronicles. I guess something I need to do. But while I'm doing that, 
we're going to get into, first of all, uh, we're switching up the show just a little bit because we have Matt with us. Um, he's going to recount his, uh, his, uh, comic, uh, con dealings. And but then we're going to get into the news that we used to do back in the day. We start off with the news and then go into books, but we're, we're flipping that order this week. So Matt, uh, take it away, sir. No, thanks. <laughs> Look, I'm so excited to be back. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I miss seeing you guys and, uh, you know, happy to, you know, uh, be in a world where, uh, you know, comic cons are happening again. Um, you know, uh, this was the first time I was back since, uh, 2019. And, uh, you know, I, I think the, um, the thing most people talked about when we were there, um, just like talking to people online or just like walking uh, over there or just traveling there, but say there's a lot of pent up energy. Like there was like, people were excited. People were psyched. People, you know, people were, you know, whether it's wallets in hand or just like in costumes or just like the way they're walking and the way they were talking to people, like you're talking to people in the elevator where you're checking in, like uh, just walking down the street, but people were so excited to be back at Comic-Con. Like, it was like seeing your old friends, right? And, you know, I, 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 there were a lot of people I saw there, um, whether it's in the industry, outside the industry, who um, were, were, you know, you're giving hugs to people, you're high-fiving them, you're just, like, chatting about, like, how happy you're, you were to be back there. And, and, and the people who were, like, I think the weeks beforehand, people were just, you know, trading texts and emails and going, what do you want to see? Where are you going to go? What are the exclusives? Like in um, the the energy was really positive, and uh, uh, you know it was like palatable. I think that's the best way to describe it. It was like palatable. It was like in the air. Like you saw a buzz. It was like first day back at school, right? Like when uh, when you liked school, right? So you know, uh, Matt Matt and I we were all talking actually uh, just prior to the show. So this is actually the second. Con that uh, the San Diego Comic Con group uh, held uh, after the after the height of the pandemic, and uh, but this is the first regularly scheduled San Diego Con. So, uh, just talk to us about you know what's changed, what what was what you noticed was different, you know, even with all the pent up energy. Well, you know, obviously, you know, everyone had to be vaccinated. Um, so, you know, if I compare this to New York, you know. You know, New York Comic Con was just like did a lot of stations line move very quickly. San Diego, it was it was it was long. There was you know tons of people Wednesday and Thursday kind of waiting. Um, you know, it just it didn't feel like they had enough stations to to check people, and it wasn't like a quick. You know, and they had a station for they were definitely pushing clear. Um, so if you had the clear app. Right, you pay membership for you, and like there was a really short line. You know, I, I was I, like, I was really lucky. Um, you know, I, I I had an exhibitor pass, so I was able to go on that line, which was a couple minutes. But um, I did feel bad for people who had sort of like a, a regular pass or even industry pass, and they had this really long line that they wait on on Wednesday and Thursday. Um, so that was like the first thing. I think the second thing um, you, you noticed on the floor. Um, was that there are a lot of exhibitors and a lot of people who weren't there. Um, and, tra- you know, traditionally, you know, kind of, you kind of reach out like weeks in advance and try, you, it's a great place to catch up with people. But there are a lot of companies that weren't around. Um, you know, it's like Dark Horse and Skybound, 
uh, Valiant, uh, tr these traditional comic book publishers who have a presence on the floor weren't weren't there. Uh, DC didn't have their large booth, uh, you know, uh, and then you know Marvel was you know smaller uh, than they traditionally have, um, even though there was not a lack of announcements. Uh, it was just a you know smaller presence, and um, I think for the entertainment guys, usually the, the way they're set up. They have like these like multi like two four multi level um, booths where they keep the talent on the top. You, you didn't see that many signings. Usually, you know, like if it was like Warner Brothers, they'd be like one o'clock. People are signing on the floor, and you just like you didn't want to like be part of that mad crush. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I passed by one signing during like the book area for like a, a cast of a show, but like you didn't see see a lot of that. Um, I think, uh, you know, finally, I think, uh, the, the thing I noticed was the downtown area definitely like was different compared to like a couple years ago. Cause it suffered because, you know, Comic-Con and convention were around and the downtown area is really driven by the convention business. And, uh, you know, they, you had all the outdoor booths built, um, and, uh, you know, luckily most, there are a bunch of restaurants that still survive, but I, I, I definitely noticed that, um, you know, uh, downtown wasn't the, the, it wasn't a shell of itself. It just, you definitely can tell it'll take a couple of years to bounce back. Gotcha. And so I guess speaking of that, so how were the, how was the crowds at the, at the con itself? Probably, I would imagine lesser than in the years past. So depends i mean how, how you define that i i think you know talking to some of the exhibitors you know wednesday and thursday they felt uh were light like people like when, when i say light um they they meant traffic and dollars like spent um i will say that there were exclusives i picked up on thursday that i was surprised i got because um i thought people would be picking them up um, but you know, I wasn't chasing after like the Funko or the Lego, um, and there were really long lines, right? Or or Marvel Legends like we used to before they started to put them online, right? So so the thing you know what Hasbro has done, and I think it's a really smart idea, was um, instead of having that huge presence to sell their stuff, you know, they had a huge presence to display all their stuff. But what they did was they just gave you a QR code. And they sends you right to Hasbro Pulse. And that's how you got your exclusives, which is really clever. Like you just saved so much room. Oh, that's, yeah, that's good. Yeah, very, you know, very smart. Very smart. That. Yeah, that's very smart. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. So I guess speaking of exclusives and, and things that, that you get from the con, uh, you got anything to... to uh... Yeah, I got, I got one thing. Just a cool t-shirt I got from a, a vendor called Super 7. And they were pushing their G.I. Joe stuff, but I, I don't, I'm not a, they're, actually their Cobra stuff. But I got this, which is, uh, I don't even see it. Um, it's a cool, it's a sound wave. It's a sound wave t-shirt. Wow. Wait, was that, was that like the rating that he had, like on the back of his file card on the toy box? I, you know, I'm not. I think the '87 might be referring to the year. Mm, I'm not, okay, I'm not sure. I was about to say that's a little late for Soundwave. Right, he was like '84, right? Yeah, like, I was about to say like like he's yeah. even earlier than '84, I think. So, 
But um, but um, yeah, Super Seven. Cool. I, I always like their T-shirts. That's cool. And they had really cool stuff. Like you know, I, if I was a bigger Joe GI Joe fan, uh, I probably would have picked up more. But uh, right. they they're always in your Comic Cons. So you should check out their stuff. Right. I think they have the Godzilla license also now. Like they got it from NECA. So yeah. I know that they they're putting out some some cool Godzilla stuff. Um, you know, I kind of wish I was more into getting, uh, like new Godzilla figures. Like I have a, you know, if I drop my virtual background, you know, I have my, um, my Bandai, just like kind of like, uh, the, the Godzilla 2004 version. I'm very happy with that. It's, it's a very classic looking Godzilla. It's not the, the old school, but it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a nice classic Godzilla. And I, I really appreciate some of the new stuff that have, that's been coming out. So, um, Let's see if there's anything else that uh, I wanted to cover about your experience. Um, uh, was everybody masked? Because I know that was yes. a requirement. Yes, that was a requirement. Okay. Vaccination masked. Um, you know, I'd say it, it was better than the New York subway. You're talking about like, I think 95% of the people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if someone didn't have the mask on, they were just eating or drinking. Right. Um, and, uh, or, that you know they were you know so um i think uh you know or they were on a panel right right and they had to actively speak very logical right 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 right. yeah no i was about to say the new york subway right now is full of people it's it's i would say it's it's i think it's like roughly 50 50 in terms of mass and not mass and it's really annoying so Y'all are doing better than down here then, because it's like ninety five percent not seems like. Yeah, I mean, you know, but but you know, the, 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 being on the subway, you know, like I, right now, it's still not pre pandemic levels of of crowded, un, 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 you know, like unless you're really on at the very height of rush hour, um, mm-hmm. that's really the only time that it's like super crowded. Other than that, you know, I'm just you know when I'm on the subway, it's very distressing to see how you know see so many people without their masks on. Uh, anyway, so I guess we can get into the announcements now. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, we're going to turn over into the news. And obviously, uh, Matt, feel free to chime in with your thoughts on any of the stuff that we get into. All right. You want to lead off, Roddy? That wasn't the transition I was looking for, but yeah. Oh, you want to? I was about to say, if you want the transition, I will play <laughs> one. It's Okay. It is okay because if I move the, the OBS out of the way. First off, Wesley Snipes joins Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur cast. Um, so yeah, this, again, a lot of the stuff has come around uh, San Diego Comic Con. I'll go ahead and say that uh, solicitations also came out for October, so there are some things that's going to be uh, sprinkled in and out. Uh, so yeah, but this came across uh, at uh, San Diego at uh, at Marvel's booth. Uh, apparently, early on, like I think while we were recording, even last week. So that's uh, that's what it was. And I believe there was another trailer or something for Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur that might have come out over that, but I forgot to get that. It doesn't matter. But I think there's one already out there. Um, it doesn't say here. I don't believe it says here whether he's like doing Blade or or um, who he's playing. So. Uh, at least from skimming, but hey, he's on the cast, so I guess. Oh wait, or maybe no, it doesn't say. But regardless, yeah. So hey, Blade's a part of the cast, whether he's playing Blade or not. 
There Next. it is. There it is. Next up. So during the Marvel Studios animation panel at uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2022, it was confirmed that Marvel Zombies would be Marvel Studios' first Disney Plus original series to carry a TV mature rating, M.A., with studio executives promising plenty of gore for fans of gore. So, you know, the, uh, so far, all of the Disney Plus originals, including the animated series What If, have all been rated TV-14. So there is some violence involved, but definitely not, you know, definitely little to no gore. So what's been, what was also revealed at that same panel is that uh, were some of the characters that would come into play in the Marvel Zombies animated series, the heroes and villains uh, would include undead mon- monsters uh, who were formerly Wanda Maximoff, Ava Starr, uh, a.k.a. Ghost, Clint Barton, Emil Blonsky, Carol Danvers, Steve Rogers, and Icarus of the Eternals. Meanwhile, the survivors include the likes of Yelena Belova, Kate Bishop, Jimmy Woo, shout out to Jimmy Woo, and Shang-Chi, and Kamala Khan, uh, and even Lee Ching Lin, who's Death Dealer, I guess we're keeping the Asians alive for now. Alexei Shostakov, uh, aka the Red Guardian, and Katie of Shang uh, of Shang Chi. Again, we're keeping the Asians alive for now. <laughs> Don't ask one out. <laughs> She's gonna shoot them all with arrows. You know that. Right, exactly. Between her and her and uh, Yelena. They do. I hope they get uh, fine to back for the. So they may have to. Anyway. Um, well, yeah, so you took care of that, so I don't have to do that. And speaking of, uh, Marvel's What If Season 3 apparently has been ordered uh, at Disney+, Plus, and Season 2 hasn't even started yet, um, even though it is forthcoming. So this came out during the Marvel Studios animation panel, such as this other stuff uh, did, and it was confirmed that it was the third season, uh, but obviously we don't know when it is, because Season 2 of uh, uh, Marvel's What If is going to be early next year. There you go. Uh, I believe it also. No, that's a. No, that's never mind. That's something else. Something for season two. Uh, uh, I'll talk about later. Next up, though. All right. So Marvel actually released the first look at Spider-Man freshman year at San Diego Comic Con. So you know we've gotten some information on this. So we did get a. T- we we did have a chance to take a look at it. Uh, you know we, what we found out is that uh, the the series uh, focuses on. Uh, Spider-Man Peter Parker in his first year in his um, rough uh, first draft, let's say, of his Spider-Man suit that we first saw in Civil War. And apparently Daredevil is going to show up uh, during the course of this, uh, and it's Charlie Cox. There it is. He's he's the hardest working man in showbiz right now, right? Right, we'll get to that announcement shortly. Absolutely. Um... And shout out to Jeff, Jeff Jamel of um, Regular Quick Fame, because I believe he's the one her showrunner is. So, uh, Marvel debuts first look at H- X-Men 97's animated series, including uh, Magneto's redesign. Uh, so, yeah, I believe there was a, um, an X-Men 97 panel at the show um, uh, where a lot of the, where they were talking. And I know there's some stuff that I have in a clickbait session, I believe, uh, about that. But... Uh, We've talked about this before. You know, they're they're bringing back X Men, uh, the animated series, uh, where it left off. Magneto's going to be in charge, apparently. That's the reason why we're seeing his uh, uh, redesign. Uh, and uh, I believe most uh, of the original voice actors, if not all of them, are uh, were present to reprise their roles. 
obviously, um, you know, um, I, I can't remember dude's name who played uh, Cyclops is, is uh, no longer with us, but uh, like I said, most of everybody else is, is uh, still around. Next up. I would just make a quick comment on that, that uh, the X-Men, uh, it's all hard for me to call it X-Men 97. I'm like, oh, so that X-Men series went on for that long? Like all the way up to 96? Because didn't it start earlier than that? Like we were still in high school when that started, right, Matt? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it started, wasn't it like 88, 89? No, because, because the Jim Lee Which comics was- that, the Jim Lee comics that inspired the look didn't come out until like 90, 91, right? So I want to say 93, I think the first episodes dropped in like 90, 92, 93? You are correct, 92. There it is, right. So but, it definitely dropped. It, I'm sorry, go ahead, right. Roddy. No, I was about to say all they were all they was going was that they ended up calling that for I think that that uh, comic book series they started calling X Men ninety five and then they just took that from right. X- oh, okay, okay. I mean, you know, you have to understand. I mean, from my perspective, there are so many people that like relate to me when I say that I'm a comic book fan, and they say that they got into X Men based off of the animated series. You know, especially if they're younger than us. Uh, you know, Matt and I are, are, are the same age, and Roddy Cat's just a little bit older. And, but, you know, we came up with the original source material, you know, being like the, you know, like being very familiar with the source material, and then seeing the animated series. And just, I mean, from my perspective, I was very kind of turned off by it. I was just like, oh, how could they do this to my beloved X Men stuff? Right. But there are so many people that, fa- that, that this is the foundation of their Marvel fandom. You know, like I listen to uh, the Marvel podcast and there's so many creators that come on with like Agent M and Lorraine Sink and, and, and all the other Marvel podcasters. And when they have creators come on, the creators cite the X-Men animated series as one of their, as one of the foundational uh, sources of their fandom. And, uh, you know, to see this come back, you know, I, I have, I personally have mixed feelings about it. I hope there are people who are very happy about this. I hope they are in, I hope they, that they are pleased with what comes out. Well, I, I guess you're waiting for Spidey and his amazing friends to come back. So you're probably the first <laughs> online. So I mean, I already have all three. Right. I already have all three. I don't need that set. Roddy Cat needs one member out of that set. Well, a, a different version of that member, yeah. Yeah. So, so but in any, in, in all seriousness, you know, we're we're definitely big fans of uh, Spider-Man and his amazing and his amazing friends here on uh, the Comic Book Chronicles. I mean, um... Spider friends, go for it! You see what I mean? I, I, I guess so is Colin Bunn, right? Because he put Firestar and Iceman. Back on the team. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So, all right. So, next up in the news. Wow. So, we are now neck deep in the big Comic-Con announcements that the M- it, that the Marvel Studios put out. Yeah, like I said, this is where the overlap is going to come. Right. So, up to, uh, to that. So, go for it. Not a problem. Right. So, we will start with uh, Marvel Studios... Uh, yeah, I, uh, Matt. There's a there's a long running joke here that all of these articles always have some sort of preface when they uh, when when they talk about Kevin Feige. We don't need it. All they have to say is they don't have to say Marvel Studios head. They don't have to say Marvel Studios uh, uh, creative chief director, officer. chief whatever, yeah, chief creative officer. All they have to say is Kevin Feige has not only confirmed that She Hulk and Black Panther: Wakanda Forever 
who will conclude Phase 4 of the MCU, but he's also helped reveal which films and shows will be part of the upcoming Phase 5. Revealed at San Diego Comic-Con 2022, Phase 5 will begin on February 17th, 2023, which is not all that far away, folks, with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and will end on July 26th, 2024 with thunderbolts this is all laid out obviously some of this stuff is subject to change but right now this is the roadmap that we have so get ready for this and we're going to be talking about this you know in and out as we cover some of the other overlapping stories so the full phase five schedule as of now is ant-man and the wasp quantumania due out february 17th 2023 secret invasion on disney plus in the spring of 2023 Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, due out May 5th, 2023. Echo on Disney Plus, summer of 2023. Season 2 of Loki, also due out, also due out, summer of 2023. The Marvels, due out July 28th, 2023. The Blade movie is due out November 3rd of 2023. The Ironheart Disney Plus show is due out fall of 2023. Agatha, with the retitled subtitle Coven of Chaos, is due out in the winter of 2023 slash crossing over into the winter of 2024. The big unexpected news is that Daredevil Born Again show will be out on Disney Plus in the spring of 2024. The next Captain America movie starring Sam Wilson in the lead role as Captain America with the subtitle New World Order will be out on May 3rd, 2024. And Thunderbolts is due out July 26th, 2024. And that is the tentative schedule for Marvel Studios Phase 5. Your thoughts, gentlemen? Uh, I will go ahead and point out here, just because I know I might touch on it just as, uh, in, a, in a, another story, but also they mentioned Phase, this article does it, but Phase 6 starts with Fantastic Four. Right. So we're just going to kind of pile that up in here, too. Um, you know, uh, given, given changes to anything, I'm excited for most of the stuff. That Daredevil thing, which we'll talk about again in a minute. Um, right. A little bit more about um, that was definitely, as you said, unexpected. And uh, the Thunderbolts movie, I wasn't expecting that either, even though we knew they were uh, leaning up towards that. So right, they were setting it up, exactly. Be, exactly, but uh, when it was going to be, we did not know. Uh, but most of this other stuff is pretty much a known, uh, what's, were known quantities, with the exception of the name of the, the next Captain America movie. You know, I, I think with... Um, you know, I'm excited for, about everything. I think with Thunderbolts, you know, what's really interesting is, you know, I, I was having a, a conversation with someone about this um, recently, and they were like, you know, uh, talking about like why did Thunderbolts go earlier? I was like, well, you know, you know the premise, so it's super villain, so you gotta wait till you have more continuity. I I hope and and hope you know I'm not sure all your listeners know, but how big of a surprise Thunderbolts was 25 years ago. And it is, I think, I believe it is the 25th anniversary. I think it came out in 1997, you know, Mark Bagley and Kurt Busiek. And, um, 
you know, that last page reveal, right? Right. Like, hopefully the movie will capture some of that, right? And, you know, um, and I, you know, if you follow Kirk Music's, like, Twitter, um, you know, uh, account, you'll, you'll, you know, he hopes so too, right? Like, the, the description is really vague about it. Um, so, you know, I know they've been leading up to it, you know, you know, U.S. You know, US agent, um, you know, possibly, you know, Yelena, Black Widow, but, um, you know, I, I'm excited to see all the pieces come together there. Yeah, thanks for reminding us, Matt, that... Oh, yeah, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> um, and, uh, look, you know, I, 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 I'm very excited, you know, I, I, they have a lot of logic. It feels like there's a lot of logic there, and Correct me if I'm wrong, though. Uh, are there any movie gaps? Right, uh, I can't remember. I've seen some articles. There, there are gaps in the plan, um, and there's some rumor that's where the X Men will slot in. So there was one of the uh, there was a one graphic they were showing around with the the tentative schedule in it that did have some gaps in it. Uh, but I think it was I'm not entirely sure what was the um, what was going on with that particular graphic. Uh, that could be the case, or it could be because of the one that's on this article is a little bit more fleshed out with uh, with uh, w- uh, with the Phase Five stuff. So, yeah, I don't know if that was like that could have been a partial list of, or that they was kind of doing it to show like a, a slide of of the show that that maybe transitioned to to another. But I'm not entirely sure. But I do I know the graphic you're talking about. Yeah. Um, also, actually, I don't think I put it in thing. Speaking of She-Hulk, there was a trailer for the, uh, the She-Hulk show that uh, that um, also dropped uh, during Comic Con, which I will put that in the show notes. I'll have to remember to put that. Because only it was only Wakanda Forever, She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. The other ones they showed, but they haven't released yet. Right, right. Those are the two that were for public <laughs> consumption. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Do we have an article in here about uh, the Guardian stuff that was shown? Uh, there's, there's some of the, there's a couple of articles in here that kind of tease some stuff that they kind of put some stuff in there. Yes, I right. Think mind actually. Right. Am I allowed to say that I still never liked Adam Warlock? Like I, I think I, I just never liked that character. Like you know, don't Adam Warlock the Infinity Watch can just you know I can use that as like you know kindling for a fire. Like I just I just never. <laughs> Listen, I concur. I I think I I don't know if we're in the minority on this, Matt. Um, but I concur. I actually have a better uh, affinity for the character when he was just called him, and he was in the Fantastic Four, like you know, back when Kirby and Lee were still on it. So, uh, but uh, I, I definitely sympathize. But my understanding is that uh, the Warlock that we're going to see in Guardians Three is going to be very different from anything we've seen so far. And you know, finally, they'll, maybe they'll introduce Richard Ryder too one day. But I, I don't think they ever will. Let's hope. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I guess uh, rounding out this particular uh, article of stuff. So I know there was a lot of uh, some tidbits to, to share. Like I know Bill Murray's going to be in uh, Ant Man and Wasp: Quantum Mania. Uh, going to be in there. Um, obviously, we knew, we knew that's where Kang was going to show up, so that's that wasn't that big of a surprise. Uh, Cassie, uh, you know, they got Cassie again, but in her stinger outfit, right? Yes, they, yeah, they showed the. There's been um, there's been an article on that also, which I don't have in there, but it, yeah, that, that's also floating around. Okay, oh, looks pretty comic accurate, also. Right. So. And did you move on to the next article, Roddy? 
I'm about to write. Oh, okay. it? No, I was just curious. I was I thought it was in there. That's why I was I wanted to look at it. Everything that you were talking about. Oh, um some of it might be because like this article kind of just kind of cherry picked some stuff that they thought was good. Okay. Uh and and kind of links to other articles. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Actually, going into the next article, um, Polygon has a, a their, what they believe that the biggest news and announcements was, some of which we kind of covered already that wasn't in here, uh, and with some tidbits. Uh, again, we talked about Phase 5, Phase right. 6 of uh, MCU. Um, we talked about the Ant-Man and Wasp stuff. Uh, the part that we didn't talk about was that uh, apparently Phase 6 um, is going to end in a two-part, another two-part Avengers saga, and uh, that being the the Kang Dynasty and uh, Secret Wars. Wars. How could you forget that one? Hey, hey, look, it's a lot. Listen, I've had a trying week or two weeks, so I understand. I sympathize. <laughs> but yeah, so the, the last couple, of, um, which we knew again, Secret Wars was going to be the lead up, what we were leading up to. Um, so. Not that big of a surprise, but also glad to see confirmation of it. Is it isn't the Hoff going to be the Beyonder? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I figured like, didn't they burn him on on a Guardians movie? So I don't know if they would uh, if they would. Uh, well, actually, they no, just the voice. Yeah, I was gonna say just the voice. That's the only thing that they used. He sang that song. Well, no, but he was also in the credits. But still, that doesn't mean that they couldn't use right. him for. The Beyonder, so, um, but yeah, this also, this article talks about the the Black Panther trailer, which uh, we which we uh, talked about, uh, and um, we can kind of go into that a little bit if, if we want to, and talk about the Fantastic Four movie, and uh, going, to, I guess, keep into the Guardians real quick. Um, going to butcher this name, uh, Chukwadi Iwuji from Peacemaker. Is playing the high evolutionary, so they're introducing the high evolutionary. Into the, into Did you see the, the clip of him yes. going on to the, yeah, right, and yeah, like kind of close to his real costume, right? So Kinda, yeah. yeah, right. Um, so I'm, just to right, just to supplement what Roddy Cat was just saying and, and following up on some stuff I missed from the article I had, which was that um, no, that Phase Six starting with the Fantastic Four on November eighth of twenty twenty four and ending with those two Avengers movies in uh may on may 2nd 2025 and november 7th 2025 that these phases will be known as the multiverse saga and that was an interesting tidbit of news coming out of san diego which again that sounds like yeah with everything that's been shown so far like yeah okay we we we, we can see that especially we're starting off with not even starting off with what what if already being a thing and and the, you know, Doctor Strange and Spider-Man kind of already laying that groundwork. So not that big of a surprise, but hey, good for clarification. Um, let's see, Dirto we'll talk about in a second. Secret Invasion has a little bit more details on it according to this article. Uh, so that's still a thing. There's another article about another show we'll talk about. So I wait for that one. Uh, I think Kobe Smolders was uh, out there talking about uh, the show and what uh, some things that might be. Uh, going on with it, but obviously can't say much because Marvel snipers. Right. So into the next. All right, let me pull up that next article. Okay, so we've already covered a little bit of this, so very quickly. Um, so I'm getting the article open. Captain America 4 gets a release date and that new subtitle that I mentioned, so we can move on from here. So I, I have a question for you guys. So, Shoot. You know, 
you know, I, I've asked you some type of question before, but we, we, you know, we've got the Infinity Saga, we've got the Multiverse Saga. What's next? That, that is a big question, isn't it? Because, yeah, we don't know what seeds they could be laying out after this, you know? Um, I could think there's probably some more ultimate stuff we're going to even do. Maybe bring in Miles, who, who, who's to say, you know? Um, bring it, Maybe this is where Secret World is going to bring in the mutants, you know, properly, even right. though we've kind of got a touch on it already. Uh, so, like I said, we have no idea. Right, yeah. Right. The the the, uh, the surprising part, I think, for everyone was that they would actually uh, use the title Avengers again for something. And maybe that will be the uh, maybe not the final Avengers movie or set of movies that we get, but it might be the final the, the final kind of hurrah for that for, for the Avengers being like the lead title, the lead group of uh, of the MCU. And, and uh, you know, they'll be integrating the X-Men or. The ex people, you know, if if uh, the non, if the uh, if the uh, the the, the uh, extremely PC people get their way, you know. Well, but but if you, but I think you still can keep the Avengers titles, right? Avengers title for the the seven, eight, nine. Because if you think about it, like you've got, um, they have been leading hard into the young Avengers, right? They've already mm-hmm. introduced uh, three of them, right? So. You know, eventually introducing the the rest of the team later. Just you know, just a thought. I mean, no, of course, because there's a there's a younger cast that you're phasing out some of the old. You know, um, you know, I I I think um, uh, you know some of the actors aren't you know they're they're not going to be around anymore, right? So it'll be interesting to see you know what the Avengers team looks like for those two movies, right? You know, you you, you we have a couple of guesses. Uh, right, obviously it would be you know uh, Sam Wilson, uh, probably Carol Danvers, right. Um, uh, so you know possibly War Machine. Uh, by the way, oh, what 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 which um, they are still shooting Armor Wars, right? They just haven't. Yeah, we're we're getting um, to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, and we don't know what version of Thor uh, we'll see. Right. So, did you see Thor: Love and Thunder? By the way, Matt. Not yet. <laughs> okay, no words on that. No words on that. All right, no spoilers. Moving on. Um, yeah, speaking of Armor Wars, um, it's still planned, according to one of the writers, um, despite not being shown at uh, San Diego. So, uh, who is this person? Uh, Yassir Lester promised uh, fans on his Instagram story that the movie's still going. Is still a movie? I thought it was a show. Um, I thought it was a show. No, it's yeah. sort of like secret invasion. Yeah, I don't know. saying movie, so I don't know if that's a typo on their part or, or what actually the director said. Um, but yeah, it was an Instagram story that uh, said it's still coming out, I promise, basically. Um, but yeah, we didn't get to see anything uh, from Samuel. Uh, I believe that is actually going to round out that uh, for, the, for, the, for the, the big San Diego news. Uh, I would round back out to ask, uh, did you, either of you watch, uh, this is a stupid question, I know, but uh, did you watch the Black Panther and She-Hulk trailers, and what do you think? I learned what no woman, no cry actually means. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, because, I'm the same way. Same because way. I had, for all this time, and I, th- I want to say one of our high school classmates probably explained this to me, and it went in one ear and out the other. 
I'm mm. willing to bet that happened, right? Because I think I had a conversation with one of them, but I had no idea what the song actually meant. <laughs> and, and, and all this time, Roddy, did you know what it meant this whole I time? Knew, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did not know. And I was yesterday years old when I found out. Right, I heard it on the Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard and Fat Man Beyond po- uh, podcast. I actually listened to the YouTube stream on the way home before the right. podcast dropped, and I was like, "What?" And I actually put this on social media. Matt can 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 vouch for me on this. He saw it. I put it on social media. I said, "Wow, I am today years old, finding out that this song has an actual meaning that is apropos for." setting the tone for this trailer and i was i was you know this big tough dude is all misty-eyed watching this trailer the first time once i heard once i found out what the what the meaning of the song really was i was in i was a mess i was a mess i was like you got to be kidding me with this it was so powerful it was yeah 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 i even i said myself on twitter i was like yeah i I got a little emotional (laughs) i totally did I, i mean who who wouldn't Right, right, because um, right? it's so multi-layered, and um, I mean, I, I think I finally broke when they had the the, the graffiti mural, the mural. Yep. Uh, that I was just like, oh my god. Um, but uh, I, you know, look, I, I'm super, you know, and then even as a superhero fan, obviously, really excited about this, and uh, I mean, um, you know, I, you know, I think the Namor. The Namor is the is the the the, the villain, the antagonist in the movie makes a lot of sense. Yeah, right. And um, look, I I think in, you know my, my my sister who's a big comic book fan brought it up to me. I think she was super excited that Namor was they it was a Mex it's a Mexican actor I believe. Right, and they're changing right. Mm-hmm. No, they're change they're changing the origin of Namor also. I think, or at least the the nature. Of of what Atlantis is because he's not supposed to be from Atlantis anymore. Yeah, there's there's been speculation about uh, um, I don't know if it's been all of it's been confirmed or not. But of you know, obviously his heritage has been has been changed. Um, uh, but what Atlantis is going to be uh, coming up, or coming into this, we don't yeah, we don't know. Right, like from what I read, that I think there's some official words, that there's some official uh, statements out there that it's it's supposed to be like a uh, an offshoot of like the Aztecs, and it's not supposed to be Atlantis because they want to differentiate it from you know DC's Aquaman. And right. I don't have the actual sources for this. I wish I had I'd done a little bit more homework on this. I I think I was reading this on the train, and right. uh, at the end of the day, I understand. Uh, Matt, you'll understand that I've been complaining to Rodicat about some of the changes they've made, and we kind of refer to it as the MCUification of everything. And you know some of the you know, and we have to always remind ourselves that it's an adaptation. You know, even, especially with Taika Waititi's Thor movies, I have to remind myself that that it's an adaptation. As much as I love the Simonson source material that he's tapping into, and the Jason Aaron source source material that he's tapping into, that you'll find out when you, that you'll see when you see Love and Thunder, I have to remind myself constantly that it's an adaptation. So. You, know. you just gotta remind you know it's it's hard for us as uh, we're fans we go in every week right it, it's hard that you know it's a different medium right you gotta mm-hmm. make changes and uh i i think we have to trust 
trust them that yeah. you know will we agree with all of them? No, mm-hmm. but like, trust them the overall direction we'll agree with, yeah. right? And I, that, you know, and are you up on Miss Marvel? Just talk about everything in general, right? No, but I'm talking about are you up on Miss Marvel? Um. I'm stacking those episodes where my wife and I are about to start. Okay. So all right. I'm a big right. Marvel fan, and I know – look, I, I know about the power. <laughs> yeah. uh, all I'm going to say is just let us know – after y'all watch it, let us know what you think. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Let's play this. I live across the street from Jersey City. And right. My girls love Miss Marvel from Spidey and His Amazing Friends, the cartoon. Yep. And they're so excited they live across the water from Jersey City. And that's where Miss Marvel is. And, you know, the, the fact our tra- in, in the trailer – she goes, you know, um, you know, brown girls from Jersey City never save the world, right? Like, I mean, I think that's a very powerful message, right? Like, in, mm-hmm. in the show. So I'm super excited to support it. I, I love the comic. Um, you know, my, 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 my girls love the character. I love reading about her. So, um, you know, I, 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 I you, know, um, you, you know, I just, I trust the changes. All right, cool. Cool. Um, and actually, speaking of that, there, there's, the only thing I was going to say about this, um, what about Black Panther is, um, I'm obviously at the end we see that there's going to be a Black Panther. I don't know who it is. We, we there's speculation out there about who, who it is, and you could kind of gauge a little bit from the frame, I guess, because of those little thinner frame. Like obviously, you know, in the comic books, Shuri took over, you know. Um, at Black Panther one time. Some people are saying Killmonger, that might be him. Like, I don't think that's good. And I really hope they don't bring back Killmonger uh, for, for, for this, for that. For that purpose, right? Yeah. Um, it's something I else. It's uh, true for you guys about that. And you guys are the perfect, you know, I, I, the, you, you, know you guys are, are up on the rumors on like, you know, she got, the actress was kicked off set. Really, like, you know, um, for, you know, lack of a better word, you know, like being anti-vax, right? Yeah, right. Anti-vaccination, uh, propaganda, like, <coughs> does that factor into play here with anything? Like, do you think then it's Shuri, Shuri, right? Like who, who, or, or is it someone else? So, so I, I, I can't figure out if it's someone else. So there is a, another theory saying it could be Nakia, which could also track because I mean they're I mean uh, Latisha Wright is probably a little bit but they're similarly framed and not you know, so we it could very well be the case which would you know obviously go away from where the comic goes but that's neither here nor there at this point um, right well the Nakia that we see in the movies is very different from the Nakia that we see in the comics so you know at the end of the day if they wanted to put uh, a, a legitimate movie star in the role then you go with Lupita right. That's so that that's the sense. that's the easy decision, right? So if it if there was any you know consideration uh, behind the scenes for that, that would be the move that they could do, right? Make Nakia as opposed to Shuri. Now there was also another rumor, and I don't know how, how much validity this could be, but it could stand the reason that that's also that could be Ramonda Ramonda in the scene. Yeah, at least temporarily. Right. Exactly. Right. At least temporarily. Yeah. At yeah, least temporarily. As a, as a long term for that. That's kind of, that'd be kind of crazy. Um, right. And I don't know, obviously you wouldn't want to do it. Right. And she delivers the killer line in the whole trailer. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, so, so, and, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, there are two, two characters I was hoping to introduce because I'm a big fan of the Christopher Priest run. Because, like, mm. do they bring in um, uh, Lady Divine Justice, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who's always a great character. 
Um, yeah. And then um, this is, you'll, you'll make fun of me now, but um, uh, a character from Fantastic Force by Braxix that Christopher Priest brought back for for uh, the Black Panther comic. I remember that character, I think. I think I do, too. I vaguely remember Fantastic Force, but... <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, That's so I also, funny. I, I threw in Stingray under there, because I figured you... They have a point Stingray talk. Right, right, you, right. You, but you know he's going to be a side character, like, in, not in his costume. Like, if he's a scientist. I would laugh if he comes up in Wakanda Forever. You know, like, if there's a reference to him... <laughs> Right. You well, know, I be- about, I was like, well, it's Namor, so there's going to maybe need an oceanographer. Oceanographer, right, exactly. Yeah. Like, so maybe it would be him. Right. It looks like funny. there's at least, if not UN troops, US troops involved at some point during the movie. So you never know. That could be where the Stingray character comes in. I'm going to have to remind myself what his actual civilian name is just to see um, when it pops up. Uh, here we go. Walter Newell. Oh, that's right. Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Walter Newell. Yeah, I, was, I was about to mix it up with Quasar with Wendell. Wendell Vaughn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. That's so, yeah. So, so kind of to wrap up this stuff so we can kind of move on. So, there was a couple other things that needs to be addressed because, obviously, the, uh, the, the trailer kind of confirms, and it's already been confirmed, that yeah, yeah. they're going to be addressing the death of T'Challa, or to Chad Bowman through the death of Black Panther. And I'm kind of con- slightly concerned about how they handle that because I'm kind of wondering. Obviously, Namor and uh, T'Challa have the uh, comics and looks like Wakanda in this possibly is going to get flooded. I wonder if they're going to just be like, no, it's because, you know, he, the opening salvo uh, was the thing that took out T'Challa because of, and then the rest of it is like the, the rest of everybody else getting revenge, you know, right. a la in a way yeah we don't know like that's that's up to the story the hope is that you know they pull it off you know my hope is that uh you know i have i've had you know discussions with a bunch of people about this and my hope is that the movie proves to be cathartic because we all need it you know and i think that the the making of the movie proved to be cathartic for the cast and the crew and kevin feige who i don't need to give him a title because we all know it's kevin feige so at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know the, the trust that, that that Matt was just talking about, uh, uh, you know, that we need to have in the creative process over at uh, Marvel Studios needs to hold at least a little while longer, and hopefully that they, you know, that Kugler and company pull this off. So you know that's really what we're hoping for. Do you want to yeah. just touch on that She-Hulk trailer real quick? Yeah, kind of mentioned. Uh, it was good. Like uh, obviously, and another Daredevil sighting, by the way, uh, at, at the end of it. Uh, so it looks like we're also getting uh, Frog Thing. <laughs> right. I so, just, oh, go ahead, Matt. Uh, no, I'm just gonna say I wish it was the uh, the '90s, late '90s costume. Yeah, that weird that costume kind of looked like Kick Ass a little bit. That was just like, wait, they just they just dusted off the costume and then kind of. I got to watch that again. I got to take a look at that again. Um, yeah. I wanted to say that, you know, they, they didn't exactly uh, 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 display this, but I think we're all supposed to assume that this happened during the blip. You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, oh, because because um, the Hulks are right. Hulks are not damaged. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But so at the same time, it's like, well, so did Matt survive? Did, did Daredevil survive the blip too? Yeah, that, I guess that's a good yeah, guess. We'll have to find out when, or maybe some of it's kind of going back and forth. Like maybe that beginning right. part was like a flashback to during a time 
Right, when, yeah. when, when she became She-Hulk. Right. Right, because after the blip, last time we saw him was in Shang-Chi, right? Yeah. And he was not the Hulk anymore. Or at least he still had the damaged arm. Right. Right, because his arm was still... In the sling, right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that is a good question. Um, that unfortunately we don't have the answer. Uh, but hey, we're going to get it in, in a few short Soon, weeks. soon. We're going to see this very soon. It is almost the end of July, folks. So yes. by the time right. you listen to this in podcast form, it might already be the end of July. And you guys should definitely check. Um, have, you, have you guys read both volumes of the Dan Slot run? Um, I am revisiting the, the, them both. I read the I read one of them. I think I read the second one, not the first one. Mm-hmm. But I'm revisiting them now. I have not. I think I, uh, I, think I saw that I read the second. No, no. I read the Soul Run. So I have not read the slot uh, She-Hulk run. No offense to Charles Soul, but I think the Dan Slot run was better. And that's what a lot that all the, the law firm she's working at, I, mm-hmm. they don't show Austin Andy, but like it, it feels like it, it, you know, all the good legals. I think he's written the best mix of like superhero comedy and like uh, superhero law uh, we've seen in the last like, couple of years. You know, I think that was actually 15 years ago, the Dan Slot run. Was it not long ago? It was a, it was a while. Eight, five or something like that. Yeah, but, um, yeah, because I noticed, uh, obviously, you can see some of the touches. If, you, if you're familiar with it, with that run, you see some of the touches, like where she's working at. You see the, the book with the comic books in it, that, that, uh, that they use the case law and stuff like that. Uh, uh, some of the people that, uh, been, that, that, they're, uh, that, they're, uh, that they have in the mix. Uh, Right. Yeah, I, w- I was happy to, s- to see a lot of that. Right. Like, okay. We had reason to revisit that slop run when uh, we, some of the issues, some of the points that were made in that came up in the recent slot Fantastic Four run. Mm-hmm. So I haven't had a chance to, to, to circle back to that, but I'd be interested to do that. All right. Um, what else? You know, just, the, uh, you know, in general, I thought that the, uh, the CG, I, I didn't really hate the CG in the first trailer. I understood the whole Shrek thing. And the CG in the second trailer really did look a lot sharper around the face and the edges. So, you know, it, it did look like they, they you know, that, that they've done uh, some work on that. And hopefully the finished product is even better. You know, anything else? Anyone have any uh, thoughts on, on, on the She-Hulk trailer? No, I'm just All right. Sounds good. All right. So I will move on to the next article in news that dropped right before the... Um, right before I believe the uh, the the con, right? Yeah, we did talk about this. The Deadpool and Logan, the Deadpool and Logan movies have already joined the Marvel collection on Disney Plus, and obviously, uh, you know, parents who don't want their kids to watch this stuff, their little kids to watch this stuff, make sure you uh, uh, enable the um, the the parental screening uh, protocol on Disney Plus. Yeah. But hey, we grew up on stuff like this. We're fine. <laughs> uh, but next up, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, actually, wait. Is, I thought that was in here. Um, okay, I guess not. So going back to the Daredevil thing, because I thought I put it in here. The Daredevil um, thing's called Born Again. We already talked about that. It's going to be 18 episodes. That's a lot of episodes. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, are they doing Born Again? Electro Assassin, are they doing like, like that's a little lot. 18 episodes, like, and they're probably going to be like 45 minutes, so 
That's a lot of like born born again. Uh, yeah, born again shouldn't take that much, but at the same time, you know, uh, I, I I remember hearing this on a podcast. It feels like they touched upon a little bit of born again in the last season of Daredevil on Netflix. And, you know, they may have to rehash that and, 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 uh, you know, establish how the, the premise of Born Again is created in, in, in the Disney Plus show. So maybe that's why they need that kind of room to stretch out the story and grow it. You know, to kind of create, first plant the seed and then grow the seed and then, you know, pluck the, pluck the, 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 the fruit of their labor. So. Yeah, um, and they could potentially reintroduce the the rest of the uh, the Netflix uh, folks that, uh, that we haven't seen potentially. You know, That'd so. be great. And some yeah, there's been some speculation uh, here and there about some of that. Not everybody, but like some some of that. All right. I I, I hope uh, I hope they bring back Nobu. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, eighteen episodes. You know, my hope is that, and 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 Matt and I are in a in a a, a chat group. We were talking about this. I said, well, with eighteen episodes, I think they they might have a chance to, even though you know we're going to have to accept that it's an adaptation, they're going to find ways to actually hew relatively closely to the born again story because they have a lot of room to play with. Mm-hmm. I just you know, like I'm you know I I actually have the. I, you know, back in the day, um, you know, as you probably remember, like the re- the Marvel reprints were hard to get, like the Marvel mm-hmm. graphic novels, like didn't have the graphic novel program they have now. Right. So I remember when, like, I have a first printing when they redid it. I think it was in the, I can't remember if it was the late nineties or like early two thousands when they started reprinting all of Frank Miller's run. So that was like when I, the first time I got to read like the whole thing. Right. Right. Cause it was just hard to get those back issues. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, look if they you know recast um you know can you know bring back the, the the same actors like you know the first the first four to six episodes of Born Again are going to be really depressing. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have to establish what happens to uh, Deborah Ann Wall's character. You know, like whatever whatever creates. Like I said, that's that's what I meant by what I said earlier. The premise of Born Again, like what leads into that. They have to create the lead, you know, they have to figure out how they're going to lead into it. So, um, and, and we're obviously not going to get the finale to Born Again where we actually get the Avenger, you know, like Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man showing up, um, at the end, which is one of my favorite, you know, scenes because, you know, I, I, I'm always a, a sucker for, for scenes like that where, you know, you have like the, 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 the most street level character in the uh, Marvel universe. And then you get like literally like gods coming into hell's kitchen. So that, that page was for, I can't remember what it went for, but that page was up and when the heritage signature auctions, uh, and went for a lot. Yeah. Monticelli. Okay. Yeah. Or Monticelli. Yeah. I believe it. I believe it. I All believe right. It. Now go ahead and move on. Cause oh, I'm sorry. Did you have something else? No, no, that's it. Go ahead. Okay, so now yeah, we can move on to everything else after this is kind of uh, yeah, uh, more rapid fire. Yeah, um, Star Wars the Acolyte cast is also stuff that came out during Comic Con. Cast uh, Amandla Stenberg. So I guess that thing that uh, show is still a thing. Uh, it doesn't say uh, what she's going to be, but just that she's been cast. So and we see her here with the picture of uh, Darth Vader. I mean not Darth Vader, R two D two. 
uh, from her Instagram where she announced it. So there is that. Next up. All right. We got a first look at a new droid character that's going to be introduced in the Andor uh Star Wars series on Disney Plus. The character is called B2 or B. It's a B2EMO or B2, B2 Emo. And, uh, you know, it's a little red droid and it's, uh, kind of cool looking, you know, and, uh, you know, we, we, we know that, uh, these droids come out and essentially steal the show sometimes from, uh, in the Star Wars properties. And, uh, we'll see if this character does the same. So one, I hate the name. Two, I do like this character. Uh, well, I like the look of this character because it kind of looks like um, was it Vincent from the from uh, the black hole? If y'all remember that uh, movie, y'all may not because I'm probably a little bit. I know I'm a little bit older than y'all. So <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was that. It was that. Wasn't that a Disney movie, Black Hole, like 1983? Mm-hmm. And this was like one of the robots uh, that was that was in there, or at least the the top part of it. Uh, so that's kind of funny. But uh, also kind of made me think of BMO from uh, Adventure Time. But that's that's you know there also. Yeah, there was some other stuff that was in this article, but that that was the main thing. Uh, DC's Jim Lee confirms that there's no plans for Zack Snyder or the Snyderverse to return. And there's also been other rumors that Zack Snyder might have. Written some books and some other stuff, but I chose not to put it. Right. <laughs> uh, but according to uh, this is another one of those cases. They they say his uh, title. Jim Lee um, uh, says that they have no plans for either Zack Snyder or the Snyderverse. Uh, and this was at Comic Con, so this is <laughs> so this was stuff that came out during then. Obviously, the, the, those full ass people, uh, champions of the, the Snyder first are mad. Stay mad. You know, that's fine. But that's pretty much the thing of that. Next up. All right. So the first trailer for Shazam Fury of the Gods features gods, unicorns, and a dragon. So I admit, I did not see this. Did you guys see this? All right. I didn't watch the trailer, though. Oh, okay. So Matt's the only one that watched the trailer. Good for you. What do you think without spoiling it? You know, look, the I, I, it was definitely, in, you know, you know, if you like the first Shazam movie, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're gonna like the second one. I mean, um, it, it was, you know, I think it'll be like a fun, you know, I, I think it'll be just like a fun. Um, it, it's a much lighter DC DC universe movie, and I think they they kind of need that. They need that wide kind of variety of movies that. You know they get criticized for not having, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know it was a little tongue in cheek. And look, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say you know who doesn't like to watch Lucy Liu as a villain. So, <laughs> uh, and uh, I believe Helen like, Mirren. Right? Yeah, you know, Helen Mirren. You know if you if you read the 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 la- the Jeff Johns Shazam run from uh, I think a couple years ago. I mean, you know it ties closely to his vision. Shazam, which is more of a family, right? And uh, I, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's good for the property. Gotcha, gotcha. I would just say that I think the one distraction that I see now, I don't know if it's the same, if he looks the same, but um, uh, uh, the guy that plays Shazam, uh, uh, Billy Batson Shazam, what's his name? Zach, uh, Zach, 
What's that? Zachary Levi. Yeah, Zachary Levi. He needs to build up his trap, his trapezius muscles, because it's like it's just like neck and then shoulders in the costume, and I'm like, and it it kind of throws me off when I see it. I don't know. That's just I'm not even a bodybuilder, but you know, like I know the muscles. So 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 remember, you gotta remember what he looked like before that, right? He's Chuck, right? Hmm. Oh. Right, but that's what personal trainers are for. Just build up your neck, man. You know, there's 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 exercises specifically for the trapezius muscles. But anyway, <laughs> moving on. Next up, President Bartlett. What's next? Black Adam clobbers Hawkman, according to this article title, uh, in Black Adam Comic Con sneak preview. So yeah, this was another uh, DC sneak preview that happened, to which I did not see the trailer, but I saw when he walked on, got, came on stage, which yeah. There was that. So they dropped, uh, well, the trailer dropped last month. Uh, the Rock was at uh, Comic Con here, which we, which we knew. Uh, no Henry Cavill. I know people were sad about that, whatever. Um, even though it wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> no one said he was going to be there. But regardless, they showed a sneak peek of, uh, of Black Adam during this. And like I said, he was there to, uh, to, um, to, uh, to, to introduce it, uh, it was, it was nice, you know, to see him. He came on stage in costume and uh, whatnot, but I didn't get a chance to see the trailer, so uh, the, the sneak peek. So, but it is attached to this article if you or if you want to see it. I don't know if either one of y'all saw it. I, you know, I'm pleasantly su- surprised how that I'm enthused for the movie. So, I, 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 you know, look, I do enjoy the character of Black Adam. I think it's actually really good casting. I don't know if you've read the. I know it's been a little bit of a slow burn, but I'm going to get, you know, the Black, the Black Adam uh, miniseries that Chris, Christopher Priest is writing. Um, yep. I, I'm enjoying it. I know it's not good. It's, I think it's going to be better in collective format, but I, you know, I, I, I'm a big Justice Society of America fan. So, you know, watching those characters on the big screen is going to be exciting for me. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully the, the movie will be, you know, a little bit more, you know, morally complex because it's a morally complex character. Uh, and I think he had his best comic book run when he was in the JSA with Jeff Johns. Mm-hmm. And I guess just as importantly, whether The Rock can pull off the complexities, that, that's going to be the big thing. Because I think everybody around him is going to be probably all right. It's, it's going to be him that's the big thing. Look, he, he channeled a lot of emotion with his eyebrows, so you have to give him some some credit. Sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, next up, um, Milestone Generation documentary coming to HBO Max. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow, I believe, now that I think about it, as of this recording. So, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it was announced at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, part of Jim Lee and Friends panel, which reminds me of Garfield and Friends for some reason, but we're, we're going to move past that. Um, let's see. It was an extended trailer showed for uh, the Comic-Con folks, and I think there's a trailer uh, attached to this. But yes, uh, so the Mouseo's Generations documentary apparently looks like to be uh, narrated by Net- Method Man is going to be on um, HBO Max July 29th, which again as, is tomorrow as of this recording. So I'm looking forward to checking it out. Super excited for that. Next up. All right, next up. So I was kind of, I was, you know, Roddy Cat took two stories in a row probably to let me take these next two myself. So, <laughs> so uh, the, first, the first story that we have um, is that a f- the first official image of John Wick 4 
was revealed. And over the course of San Diego Comic-Con, the first teaser trailer for John Wick 4 was released because this movie is set to come into theaters on March 24th, 2023. I love these movies. They're incredible. Um, I do take some issue with some of the liberties that they take with navigating around New York City. But other than that, uh, I definitely enjoy watching these movies and seeing uh, Keanu kick all the butt and shoot all the headshots uh, going through all of the bad guys in John Wick. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great to see. That, uh, you know, Stahelski, Chad Stahelski is still behind, uh, the camera. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's, I, I'm enthusiastic about this. And for anyone who is watching us on, uh, Twitch or YouTube, my, uh, virtual background is a, literally a, a, a location in New York City's Chinatown, the corner of Mott Street and Bayard Street. But it is a virtual background that was, um, promoted or issued in the earliest days of the pandemic uh, and it's based out of the uh, John Wick 3 film I, I I think you should let the audience know you are also raising pigeons like uh, <laughs> like the Bowery King right the Bowery King. <laughs> exactly and Mike Tyson that's right shout out to Mike so yeah, uh, we did some tidbits from this uh, trailer just real quick. Uh, Donnie is going to be in it. Look, he's playing a role, a similar role that Mark DeCoscos did in 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 Chapter Three, uh, at least presumably, uh, on the way that last uh, few seconds of the, the trailer mm-hmm. uh, out. Uh, looks like we're getting some Hawkeye action in here. Not necessarily either one of the characters, but there was some some close up bow and arrow work by a character. It's kind of funny, but yeah. He's uh, he's back. Oh, he's going to be back. Exactly. I'm thinking I'm back. And we'll have more Keanu news uh, later it's on. A, it, it's a it's these these moves are a ton of fun. So yeah, all right. And we found out, folks. Uh, just a little, little little background. We found out that one of our um, uh, absent hosts has not seen one of them, which was a slight surprise to, to, to any of us. Oh, you mean not seen any of them? Any not of the John? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he hadn't seen them. I'm like, huh. <laughs> I, I don't remember seeing this in the chat. I'm gonna we'll, we'll talk about it after the show. No, it wasn't in the chat. It was in it was on Twitter. Oh, it was on Twitter. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, it was like, dang, I'm kind of surprised about that. He was like, yeah, he was too, but you know, things things was like. So I'm I'm looking forward to when he when he watches at least the first two or something whenever he gets around to that. He's busy. Yeah, I was about to say there's three of them that are out and available now, and I want to say it's on Peacock of all things right now. It's probably the case. I hadn't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I own all. I know I own a copy of all three, but. Um, Same. You know, I I was uh, I, just just to keep uh, uh, at Matt Wang ninety seven in the loop. Um, uh, a friend recommended the two thousands reboot of Battlestar Galactica to me, and so the my only way of watching it is was to uh, sign up for Peacock. You know, but thankfully, you know, it's not one of the new releases, so I didn't have to actually pay for the subscription. But I think I noticed one of the ads for in one of the ads that they have John Wick on the service now. So I, I, look, look, I think it's very public that you can talk about. You really want to watch the new, um, 
you know, uh, Real Housewives uh, road trip. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's really okay. It's, it's, we're, we're an inclusive, friendly environment here. <laughs> Hold up! <laughs> I got I I got I I got to object to that one there folks but in any event you know nope anyway moving on William Shatner joins the cast of Kevin Smith's uh, Masters of the Universe Revolution at Comic-Con 2022 so yeah there was a Kevin Smith panel there uh talk, talking about things Masters of the Universe and uh, the Shatner was there apparently and um yeah, that's that's that. Uh, let's see. Did you, we don't did, know you did you see his his uh, comments from his other from his other panel? He, uh, Shatner, I, I think was that the Kevin Smith panel for another panel, and they like they take some of his. It feels like they took some of his quotes out of context, like he was he was talking about uh, commenting on current Star Trek shows. Uh, really? No, I didn't. That one. The only one I saw was the one where he was like there was a uh, some background noise, and he kind of reacted to it. That was the only one I saw. Uh, I have to look that up. What was it? Oh, you're saying they took it out? Or they took it negatively. I think they took some of that out of context, right? Okay. Like, you know, he was, he, you know, he, he, he was a. It, it read the interview I read. Um, you know, he he commented on space flight and how he was focused on like not the weightlessness, but like looking at the Earth and that getting that great perspective. Um, you know, he was like, you know, I got to know Gene Roddenberry for a long time. He'd be turning his grave at some of this stuff happening, but I, I, I it. You just read it, it felt like it was taken out of context. I think, look, you know, he doesn't like some of the shows, and he likes some, of, he likes some of the other shows, right? Like, you know, he's not going to like everything, right? Like, you know, so, uh, but he, he, you know, he said really nice things about the actor. You know, uh, hopefully it's not a spoiler, but there, there's, you know, they introduced James T. Kirk in one of the shows, and he he met the actor, and supposedly like they had a great interaction, and he gave his blessing. So, um, uh, you know. I think some of the articles sometimes will, will paint someone in a terrible light and they take stuff out of context. And, you know, he's, what, 92? Like, he'll he'll say cranky things. It's fine. Well, I was going to say, yeah, like Shatner being Shatner. And that's not a, you know, not, not taking up what we're taking away from him, but he, it's not the first time he says some things that's kind of been taken a certain way, even whether we, whether we know whether he's felt the, the way about him or a certain way about it or not. You know, some of that's probably could be him. But, again, he's old. He's Shatner. He's going to have his opinion on what he oh, what he feels on this thing. That's about it. Like I said, not taking up for him, not taking away from him. Uh, and, 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 uh, but yeah, so yeah, I guess he's playing, I don't know, wait, does it say here who Chetna's playing in uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation? I still hadn't seen that second part of the first thing yet. Oh, no but, kidding. Yeah. Um, but I guess. All right. But yeah, there you go. Next up. Next up, Avatar Studios' first feature film will focus on Help me with this. Is it Aang? Yes. Okay. We'll focus on Aang and not Kyoshi. So um, several feature films are coming, and the first will focus on the series protagonist Aang and his friends. So um, this was at this was announced at a San Diego Comic Con panel, and uh, let's see if there's any other dates involved here. All right. So the Aang-focused feature film does not yet have a release date, and neither do Avatar Studios' two other upcoming Avatar films, so they are all still in the works. I mean, it makes sense. Like, you, of course, you're going to do another yeah. film set in that world. You're going to do, you know, Aang and his friends as a 
you know, and I know the key issue warriors have right. had graphic novels and stuff, uh, and as and Korra and all other stuff. So, of course, they're going to start there before they do the other two or whatever else they're going to do. So, it makes sense. Uh, Walking Dead's uh, Andrew Lincoln and Denai Guerrero make a surprise Comic Con appearance to tout upcoming limited series on uh, Rick Grimes and Michonne. And apparently, those uh, Rick Grimes films are not going to happen, and that I believe this was supposed to originally be a movie as opposed to a limited series show. But I guess uh, AMC decided to reverse course and make it a show. I remember somebody joking about it on online. Was like, "Yeah, we know how to do shows. We're gonna do, we're gonna pivot and do that." So um, I was about to say, who did not see this coming? Did anyone? Bueller, Bueller. Did anyone not see this coming? Oh, they're gonna milk that thing until it becomes a Walking Dead. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, Scott M. Gimple will serve as a showrunner for the series uh, with Lincoln and Guerrero as EPs. The show is set to launch with six episodes next year, that being 2023. Which, wait, didn't it? You know, I don't care. Don't, no, no, I don't even care. Never mind. <laughs> next up. All right. The Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai cast is officially stacked. This is, in a, this is as per a Variety article. Our, uh, the prequel series just announced a whole new lineup of celebrity voice talent at their San Diego Comic-Con panel, including the return of the original Billy, Zach Galligan. Uh, Galligan surprised fans on stage, revealing that he will have a recurring guest role on the HBO Max series, Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai. So the panel announced a a list of guest stars for the new series, including Sandra Oh, Randall Park, George Takei, and Bowen Yang. The series had already announced a roster of Hollywood stars, including James Hong, B.D. Wong, Ming-Na Wen, and Matthew Reese. Or Rice. Um, the Gremlins Secrets of the Mogwai series is set in 1920s Shanghai in East China and focuses on Sam Wing, played by Isaac Wang, an ordinary 10-year-old boy who meets Gizmo, a Mogwai. Uh, along with L, Gabriel Green, a teenage Sam, sets off on a journey throughout the Chinese countryside to reunite Gizmo with his family. Okay. So the strange thing I thought about this was like, wait, they're bringing the original, back, the original Billy back for a prequel to the first movie. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, well, and especially given when the set, like, I don't know, maybe there's going to be some flashbacks. I mean, maybe there's a flashback. Yeah, they'll use it. Yeah, I was about to say, they'll probably use it as a framing device for the people who are familiar with the Gremlins movies, just to, so to reorient everything. Right. So I was like, at first I was like, I thought that was weird until I thought about how they could use them, you know. So. Uh, next up, Todd McFarlane reveals when a big Spawn movie announcement of Revive, because Lord knows they have been trying, retrying to do that for years. Oh my gosh, uh, that's like, I was about to say, that's almost, that's probably worse than The Walking Dead. Pretty much. Uh, so live action Spawn reviewed slowly but surely to make progress according to this uh, article, and uh, Todd McFarlane, Spawn creator, said the news on the project would be revealed during New York Comic Con in October. Uh, he just says... That uh, we're still moving, moving forward with the movie at Sandy. He says it's at, at San Diego Comic Con. Uh, that we're debating whether to make a big announcement because we've been adding pieces to it here at San Diego. So all the parties that were involved, uh, we had the conversation. Do we make the announcement here or do we wait and keep our gunpowder dry until New York Comic Con? And eventually we said we'll do it at New York. Okay. This will make you guys happy. So in the, you know, um, on the second floor of the convention center, is the uh, panel that's where they have panels, but then they also have 
uh, this kind of like open floor area between kind of like two main sections of the convention center and they do some signings there and there's a very long line for the Todd McFarlane signing. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. I believe it. I believe yeah. it. I remember so, at the, the last New York Comic Con before, I want to say it was the last com- New York Comic Con in twenty eight in 2019, uh, before the pandemic, uh, McFarlane was doing a signing, and, and, and one of our mutual buddies was able to get a, a ticket to the uh, McFarlane signing, and he hooked me up, you know, big time, uh, you know, with getting something signed. Nice. You got you got your Infinity Incorporated signed. No, no, it was the Incredible Hulk, the uh, the Wolverine Hulk cover. Wow, that's big. Yeah, yeah. It's not the comic itself is not in the best condition, but it's in good condition. So it was it was a it was a nice get. And I you know a shout out to our our mutual friend who I won't name here because I know he likes his privacy. But 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 Matt knows who it is. All right. Next up. Next up, so Transformers, EarthSpark, VoiceCast, and a first look was revealed at Comic-Con. So Nickelodeon, Paramount+, and Entertainment One brought Transformers, EarthSpark to Comic-Con 2022, where the audience learned who will be voicing their favorite Autobots and Decepticons, as well as viewing new footage from the animated series. So, uh, let's see. So we find out that... um, Dan, so Danny Pudi, yeah, Danny, Danny Pudi or Danny is it Danny Pudi or Putty? Is it Pudi? Pudi? Don't know. All right, so I'll go with your pronunciation. Danny Pudi as Bumblebee, Kath, Catherine Kavari as Twitch, Zeno Robinson as Thrash, co-executive producer Dale Malinowski, and executive producer Ant Ward, and uh, Mike Tutini, uh, the editor in chief of Den of Geek, moderated the panel. Okay. Uh, Transformers Earthspark is a 26-episode animated series that introduces a new generation of Transformers robots, the first Transformers robots to be born on Earth, and together with the human family who welcomes them in and cares for them, they'll redefine what it means to be a family. It debuts exclusively on Paramount+, Plus, another streaming service you may or may not subscribe to in the U.S. in November, and on Paramount+, Plus and select Nickelodeon channels internationally. Okay, there is a clip in this article. Yeah, so worth noting. I I watched this just out of sheer curiosity because it was clear it was made clear well before this that this was not made for us for for the <laughs> for the old heads who like uh, Transformers. Um, Alan Tudyk is playing uh, Optimus Prime. Ah, okay. And uh, wait, uh, and Rory McCann, whoever that is, is playing Megatron. Like serviceable. Like I said, I watched the trailer. It's serviceable, but it's like it's just. Nice. Did you, you know, I'm a really big fan of the Cyberverse one, the, the, the one that just came, the, the one that ran for three th- three seasons before this cartoon. I checked it out, like, again, made for, for, for a younger audience, and I was like, okay, I see something there, but I didn't really stick you, with it. You, you, you have to give it till the, uh, you have to get through the first season and do the second and third, and then I think, like, I think you're a G1 fan like me, it's worth it. Hmm. Okay. All right. We've revisited it. Yeah, because I think I only did like three or four episodes. So, uh, next up, I guess we'll go into a brief uh, anime corner. Society, society, 
Yeah, I don't know if Matt knows I've been on an anime journey during the pandemic. And I have really brushed up on a pretty big uh, blank, uh, a pretty big uh, 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 um, blind spot in my pop culture knowledge. So I've, I've definitely watched a lot of anime. And that was from uh, Attack on Titan. You feel like a One Piece guy. I haven't gotten into One Piece. One Piece is gigantic. One Piece is a thousand episodes. I am not even trying to get into that, dude. I just Would you, you know, put that on him. Eye patch, like you know. Just saying, you don't, you don't feel Naruto to me. I I tried. I tried with Naruto. I tried. I'm. St- I, I I got. What, I, I don't even remember how far into it I am. I have to look up how far into it I am. It's. Yes. Well, pretty much everybody gets stuck at the first. Right. Yeah. Like, I actually started, uh, Roddy Cat will be proud to hear this, and so will some other people on uh, who are listening or, and or watching. I actually started Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I think I, I'm just I'm just getting into the second episode. So, but, so I got through the first episode. I know what the premise is. So I'm, I'm definitely, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm juggling, you know, working my way through Battlestar Galactica. And uh, I started... Um, uh, uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. I'm still obviously watching Haikyuu when I just need to pick me up, folks. So you know, I love Haikyuu. It's a it's a volleyball anime, Matt. It's actually one of the best animes I've seen. You know, in the two years I've been on this anime journey, and I love it. So I would definitely recommend that. Unfortunately, it's exclusive to Crunchyroll, but if you can, uh, if you get access to Crunchyroll or other means of access, which is our code word for other means of access, um. Uh, I definitely recommend Haikyuu. Uh, anyway, uh, like car- carry on, Roddy Cat. If anybody can get access to French Roll, I feel like it's mad. Right, exactly. <laughs> carry on, Roddy Cat, with this next story. Uh, Gundam, the Witch from Mercury anime, confirmed October simulcast outside of Japan. So this also came out of uh, Comic-Con. Uh, there was a panel for Mobile Suit Gundam, the Witch from Mercury, Mercury which is the first new uh, Gundam series in a while. Love me some Gundam. I will definitely check this out. Uh, was confirmed on Thursday that anime will be simulcast in October outside of Japan. Uh, I believe this. I think they said it was on Extreme Rules. Somebody said it was, they said it was going to be on Crunchyroll uh, that had already been confirmed. I can't remember if it was this. Um, I suspect it was. But regardless, that is the thing. And uh, the rest of the article is about the, the, the main cast and the suits and, and whatnot. Because you can't have Gundam show without some good suits. Next up. All right, so in something I actually did not watch yet, Dragon Ball Super Superhero releases English dub trailer. So uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero actually had a panel at San Diego Comic-Con. So um, let's see here. Um, Apparently they was all over Comic Con at that, but I, I I got rid of the story that kind of mentioned that part. I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, the movie took over Hall H, and it was there. Guests were able to watch a full twenty minutes of the movie ahead of its nationwide premiere this August, um, in just a few weeks. And so, feel free to uh, catch up and watch this uh, uh, English <laughs> dub trailer if that's your style. I don't recommend watching any of this stuff in English dub, but hey, if you just if you can't focus on subtitles, what are you going to do? Hey, look, that's all we had. Some of us, that's all we had, man. That's all we had. <laughs> <laughs> was there a lot of uh, anime representation at the... I, I met it in the woods, but I mean, was it like Big Big at the... Yeah, I, I'd say, yeah the N- Naruto. 
um, station was huge. Um, a lot of anime love, a lot of manga love, um, you know, a lot of merch. I'd say, you, you know, with, with, with the, with the empty space and the availability, um, you, you definitely saw, um, you know, more anime and manga, uh, push to take up that, take up that space. So it was a lot like New York Comic Con this past October, last October. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, you, you, you guys all looked the book scan on numbers and, you know, that, you know, the, the that's number one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they've been out kind of Western traditional graphic novels, um, you know, probably over the last year or two. Um, and then I, I think the one that I, I was surprised wasn't there uh, was Webtoons, right, with all the penetration they have in the, uh, in the North American market. Like, I was, you know, and all the deals are signing with people right now. Right. Huh. That is interesting that they, that they weren't there. Yeah, because they could think of anybody would be, they would. Especially with all, with all, with, with what all they have going on. Yeah. Um, moving right along, though, we're going to get into the comic book news. Uh, I know th- if if Agent Seventy is like me in this course, he's going to groan heavily at this. But DC rebrands Dark Crisis with a new title, making it a Crisis on Infinite Earths sequel. Oh, come on! I saw this article, and I saw Tim's article, which is also uh, uh, in the um, in the lineup. I was like, "Are really?" I mean, I guess it makes sense because our, our boy is in there, but that's that's like they just went blatant with it, huh? Seriously, <laughs> seriously. So it's just another sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths, killing me here. Right. Apparently, there was a reason. Oh yeah, here we go. It says, "Speaking of the name change, uh, writer Joshua Williamson said we kept the real name a secret from the start. Probably because we know people were going to groan. That's my editorial decision, not his. Uh, but because we didn't want to give away any, in the, uh, we want, didn't want to give away what was happening in the middle of the story with the return of the Infinite Earths. Hey, dark crisis on Infinite Earths. You've got to be kidding me with this. So, so just just for uh, Matt's edification and, and and just to remind everyone who's listening and watching, we did some evergreen episodes during the height of the pandemic when uh, comic books were not being distributed, and so we didn't have any new material. And we did some shows that uh, revolved around uh, events, major events in comic book history that either one of us may not have read or may not have remembered well or may not have read that carefully just because it didn't it didn't fit into our budgets at the time. And so we were able to, you know, either use Marvel Unlimited or use other means to uh, to, to, to read some of these stories. And one of those was uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. And so we had uh, we had a good time crying with Pariah. <laughs> yeah, and we had I, I, cr- I crashed that. I think I crashed that one. I remember that one. So yeah, and we it, it was good because we were yeah, like you said, we said we did all that and revisited a couple of that we hadn't like one of us hadn't either read in a, in a good while and we revisited it, so it was good to revisit it or or introduced to you know. I was really trying to get you guys to read. Um, that crossover between Daredevil, Punisher, and Nomad, Dead Man's Hand. That, you know, <laughs> in Vegas? Classic. I remember that. I remember that. That's funny. It was like 90s? Around, that was around. 90s. That was early 90s. And then, yeah. and then I mean, I, you know, I was hoping you did Maximum Carnage, but... 
<laughs> with the introduction of Shriek. That's right. That's right. You know, it would have been timely ahead of the next uh, the the recent Venom movie, right? Yeah. So, like I said, we still have, we still have a list of stuff that we could go over that Maximum Carnage definitely is not on one of them, but. <laughs> Forget the kind of time we would need to do something like that again. I, I was about to say, we'll welcome you on to that. Uh, you know, if we ever get around, if we ever have time to do right. one of those evergreen shows, Matt, you are most welcome. <laughs> if it's a show that you want to talk, you know, if, if it's a subject you want to talk about, what's the what outstanding ones you have left? Um, hold on, I had, I had we a have a list. doc. I was about to say we do have a document. Yeah, um, you do the next uh, uh, one while I pull that up. All right. Uh, DC teases the permanent death of a Justice League character. Really, DC? So DC solicitation information for Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths number five, which releases in October, does exactly that. Teases the permanent uh, death of at least one member of the Justice League. During the Dark Crisis panel at San Diego Comic-Con, DC revealed the solicitation information that just came out this week. It, uh, it reads, War at the Hall of Justice. And, uh, you know, you know, this is this involves some spoilers for upcoming issues of Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. But apparently, you know, uh, Pariah is heavily involved and there's some bad things happening. And of course, it means that one member of the Justice League could be lost forever. Um, of course. And I'm actually slightly curious. I don't think he's in the lineup, though, because there's something I read, which we'll get to later, that um, let's just say something I read this week caught up to Death of uh, Justice League. Uh, and I, don't, I can't remember if, uh, if this person is part of that lineup and maybe this is the person, but I, don't, but I think they may say uh, regardless. So anyway, Matt, I'll just give you a couple of uh, a couple of these. So we got Armor Wars, uh, Infinite Crisis, uh, Extinction Agenda. Uh, this is some good hush. Uh, we actually said we were going to take a stab at Saga, for some, uh, <laughs> even though that's not an event. But you know, uh, right? It's uh, a series that like, neither of us are all that familiar with, so we might read like the oh, first like twelve book, yeah. issues. I, I've read everything you just mentioned. So, Annihilation yeah. Conquest, yeah, because we did do uh, Annihilation, but we we're going to go back and do uh, Conquest. Uh, let's see. Conquest is not as good as Annihilation. From what I hear, yeah. Right. Yeah. I was um, so glad that Roddy Cat was amenable to annihil- annihilation because I loved annihilation and I had to I had to like twist Roddy Cat's arm, but I'm glad that he read it. You you need to do conquest. Because the most important thing about conquest is you don't get the modern gardens of the galaxy without conquest. Right. Right. Well see, that was the uh, that was the reason why we were mm-hmm. doing uh, uh, annihilation in the first place. And and admittedly there was a part of the space stuff that I was kind of have a blank spot on, Annihilation being one of them. Uh, I think stuff after that I kind of picked back up on. Uh, and I, I wasn't against uh, Annihilation, it's just I had never read it. So, because when I was collecting, I was kind of focused on Avenger stuff and, you know, that, that they're in. And, I um, would have loved to do Extinction Agenda. I love that series. I would too. Yeah, I, I would really like to do that one. Uh, we did do. Um, uh, Cruise Scroll War, which is like I, that was, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that that's actually so early for us. It was a, more of a history lesson than anything. Yeah. I, like, I had read it. Like, when I started, after I started collecting it and found out about that, I, I read it, which I, I think I may have mentioned then. But yeah, it, just, it was definitely a, a blind spot because it's been so long. Oh, apparently Daredevil Born Again is on his. <laughs> yeah, I put that on the list. I think I'm, I think I personally put that one on the list. You probably did, yeah. 
um, Ultimates because, you know, the MCU. Um, but, you know, it, it goes on from there. I don't want to give the whole list. I sent you uh, a link to the list, actually. Okay. Um, but every everything you, you, you've read, uh, you can count me in for. I've read all, I've read all of that, so I can give some background. Oh, original sequel was also, because we talk about that a, a lot, seemingly. <laughs> it's Wait, always... Which one? Marvel Marvel Superhero Sequel Wars. Oh, right. Oh, the OG. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. Two? Oh, two? Oh, part two? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. We talked about that. I can't do that again. Oh, God. That was terrible. You know, biting down on a soda bottle of glass, right? Oh, my God. I think I think Dirt mentioned Superman Blue, and that's probably why that's on there. Hmm. I wouldn't mind doing. I was about to say I wouldn't mind doing. Uh, which one call it? One of the the Tim Sale. You know, uh, shout out to you know, rest in peace, Tim Sale. One of those. Yeah. You know, like Superman for all seasons. You know, that would be cool. I, I, I think off. I, I think I, I've I've always liked his D, that the DC stuff better than the the, the Marvel yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. I, I love I love both of them, but I definitely agree with you on that one. Didn't I put Batman Long Halloween on that? Yep. Yeah. There it is. Okay. Um, we did, the, oh, we, yeah, we did New Mutants as a double feature. We basically did uh, the original graphic novel, going back to the graphic novel stuff, and we did Demon Bear. Yeah, like I said, we did some stuff, like I said, there's some stuff on here I, I hope we absolutely do get back to. Uh, weirdly enough, Planet Hulk, because I know Agent 70 was, oh, that was the one he was definitely on me about. <laughs> right, right, because that OG Planet Hulk story was really good. It got a little wonky when it got to World War Hulk. But that original Planet Hulk story is really strong, you know, by Greg Pak and Carlo Pagulayan. So, all right, back to the news. Uh, DC introduces its new Superman Swamp Thing mashup. Uh, this is another Dark Crisis thing uh, from Dark Crisis: The Daily Green Number One, apparently. And this was at the <laughs> panel at San Diego Comic Con. Um, we'll see the interest of a new Super Swamp Thing character, which appears to be a hybrid of Superman and Swamp Thing, as I said. It's a one-shot that's going to be in October. Like I said earlier, the October solicitations have come out, so a lot of this is uh, coincidentally from there. Uh, it's going to be from writers Joshua Williams and Dan Waters, Ram V, uh, and Alex um, uh, Pacnadel, and artist Daniel uh, Bayless. And then it goes into the synopsis of it. Which, do you really need to know anything outside of there's a mashup between Superman and, and Swamp Thing? I think not. Mm. Next up. Next up, announced at DC's Dark Crisis panel at San Diego Comic-Con, Dark Crisis, the Dark Army number one, is coming out this November from Dennis Culver and Delilah S. Dawson. It's a one-shot that's going to see Damian Wayne uh, team up with Red Canary, Dr. Light, and other heroes who are attempting to take control over Pariah's Dark Army. In the process, they uncover a secret about Dr. Light's place in Crisis on Infinite Earths that rocks the future of the DCU. Okay. Sure. <laughs> okay. To get their own Dark Crisis special. Um, this is details for Dark Crisis War Zone number one, which revolves around uh, the uh, Barry Allen and oh, Barry Allen and Wally West, respective better halves, Iris West and Linda Park. So the book will be told from the two characters' ground levels, points of view, as they witness the surrounding crisis. Uh, this is written by Stephanie Williams and Jeremy Adams, and it's a one-shot. Next up, 
All right, so this article contains spoilers for The Flash number 784 on sale now from DC Comics. So this is last week's issue of The Flash. I don't know if you're keeping up with this series, Matt. So uh, Dark Crisis is in full swing and Pariah's perfect worlds have trapped uh, another hero and revealed what they could have been if the new 52, if the new 52 continued. So uh, apparently... Um, the Flash's current sidekick, Wallace West, came out of the New 52, but it was DC Rebirth that turned him into the next Kid Flash. Now DC has just hinted at what could have been if the New 52 had continued. Okay. that's a, I'll leave it at that. You know, I don't want to spoil the whole story. Yeah. From, from, from reading it, it looked like what they sound like what, almost what they did with um, uh, 616 Mile Umbrellas, but not necessarily the same thing. So I don't know. Uh, but I didn't go through it all that. Definitely. You mean make him a 616 Miles Morales? Is that what you said? That's oh, what okay. it seemed like from looking at the article, yeah, but I don't okay. know if that's the case. So, All right. Yeah. Um, DC's Dark Crisis introduces Mr. Missile Plex. Uh, I'm good. Look, I don't care if that's how, not how you say it. That's how that's what it's going to be right now. Um, Mr. Missile Plex's son as a new Young Justice enemy. So this is, again, from that same panel. This is for Young Just, uh, Dark Crisis Young Justice number five. And his name is Mickey Mitzelplick. Uh The synopsis here is real. Here's Mickey. That's, you know what? That's all I'm going to say. Isn't that how they pronounce it on Super Friends? Yes, it is. That's it. That is the, the version I go with all the time. <laughs> it, it, it's a bummer Peter David wasn't writing it. That series. I, I'm reading that miniseries. I, I, I wish Peter David was writing it. <laughs> well, what's the deal? Well, he, he's the one who created Young, Young Justice. Right. Right. So it was it was uh, Peter David and oh, uh, uh, Todd Newark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That's interesting. But, um, I mean, he's got his hands full already. Right. Uh, D- oh wait, is this you? Yeah, this is me. This is me. All right. Uh, thanks to our very own at Tim Dog ninety eight for this article. Writer Tom Taylor has revealed the first look at Deceased War of the Undead Gods number one, the first issue in the finale of his Deceased franchise with artist with artist. Oh yeah yeah. Trevor Hairscene. Uh So, Tom Taylor and Tom King in conversation was a panel that DC held uh, this past Thursday at Comic-Con 2022. And uh, it was announced that DC's War of the Undead Gods is an eight-issue monthly limited series beginning in August and is the fifth title in the overall DC's franchise. Uh, okay, this will be on sale on August 9th, 2022. You know what? Shout out to Tom Taylor because he's got his own little slice uh, uh, going over there because he did the same thing with Injustice and he, uh, with this. And I, know, I think it's probably another thing he's just kind of branched out on with his own little universal stuff. So, shout out to him. Um, Static Shock is returning for a new season. Uh, Static uh, Shadows of Dakota, which is season two of Static, uh, the comic book. Um uh, apparently, this is a follow-up to season one. Like I said, uh, the same creative team is going to be on it. Uh, I've seen some stuff from Nicholas Draper Ivory's uh, from, from from concept work, so it looks to be some good stuff. And uh, from that, we get the fact that Virgil gets a new uh, costume, which I think we saw kind of saw shades of uh, in that first season. If you if you've been reading that book, but um, so yeah, they're gonna basically uh, give the the, the character uh, another. A, 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 so what it says he has a season two look, um, which I guess kind of bridges his old, his original old costume and his, his uh, 
more animated version one uh, just a bit. Looks good. Uh, but uh, if you're interested, uh, the pictures are in the article, and you're probably seeing a little bit of it if you're watching the video version. Next up. Alrighty, next up, writer Tom King and legendary storyteller Phil Hester are teaming up for the first time to craft the definitive origin of Gotham City. Uh, this is this was announced at San Diego Comic-Con. The book they're working on is called Gotham City Year One, and it's coming out on October 4th. You know, because it is DC, so it's got to be called Year One. Of course. Part of me kind of wishes this was, um, was it, uh, Ed McGinnis and uh, Greg Park who did um, uh, GCPD? Or I think that's what it was. It was Ed, Ed Brubaker and Michael Lark. Baker. There you Thank go. You. There you go. Yeah, that was like, wait a minute. I'm, I was screwed up one of them. But yeah, Brubaker. Sorry. My apologies to both of those gents. <laughs> but I, I enjoyed the, uh, the, the least part of that series. Out everyone, so I was kind of hoping like maybe he was doing it. But hey, you know, Tom King says well, give he, us... That's some gems. Brew Baker is, is so busy. You know, I don't know if you were really his uh, reckless uh, original graphic novels with Sean Phillips. So he's That's going on. Yeah, Roddy Cat's keeping up with that stuff. The crime yeah. stuff well, that, that he's Not particularly that one, but it's some of his other stuff I've definitely been keeping track of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, I, I uh, you know, Tom King is not a, Tom King's not a shoddy writer, right? Yeah. <laughs> You've got some gems, so... Um, but yeah, there's that. Wait, that I think that is also in October, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, Gotham Knights game prequel series debuts in 1800s Gotham City Hero. Uh, so yeah, there's going to be a tie-in uh, limited series uh, in October uh, that's going to be a prequel to the Gotham Knights video game. Uh, and this was announced again at, at, at Comic Con. Uh, and there are some preview pages and artwork uh, from that series. To say he who's the creative team cover art by Greg Pulo, uh, Yannick Paquette does cover stuff. Uh, I'm not seeing a creative team uh, unless I'm missing over it, but hey, there you go, it's out there regardless. Oh, wait, here we go. Uh, Evan Narciss, I don't know, uh, that's right. Uh, Evan Narciss and uh, Abel is the artist. So there you go. So Evan Arsis did that um, um did a Black Panther mini and plus he's a uh was I guess I don't know if he's still doing uh, video game journalism. Uh, but he used to, so I don't know. Uh next up. Next up, uh in interest uh this is a story of interest to Roddy Cat. Uh DC at San Diego Comic Con revealed a first look into Batman White Knight presents Red Hood. This is part of the so called Murphy verse, named after Sean Gordon Murphy. Um, this is a spin-off delving into the experiences of Jason Todd in Sean Gordon Murphy's alternate Batman universe. And the first issue promises a close look at Jason's first, tra- uh, Jason's traumatic experience at the hands of the Joker. Spoiler alert in this, uh, section of the multiverse, let's say, uh, Jason Todd was the first Robin while Dick Grayson was the second. And this book is out on August second, so this is this is coming out next week. Mm-hmm. So look forward to me talking about that uh, next week. Uh, DC gives Punchline, uh, Joker's girlfriend, her very own solo series. Apparently, um, after being teased at the end of the Joker number fifteen, a new limited series starring the breakout star—I don't know who said that, but okay—was um, <laughs> announced at Comic Con. 
titled Punchline, the Gotham Game. Uh, Catwoman writer Tini Howard discussed the book during the Cons Gotham publishing panel, revealing that she's co-writing the Gotham Game with her husband, Blake Howard, and the series will feature art from Gleb Melnikov, who uh, is on Robin at the, at the moment. And, of course, there's some cover art and some uh, unreleased pages attached to this article. Next. Uh, a new squad of international heroes associated with the Dark Knight has assembled in Batman Incorporated Number 1. It's a relaunch of that series. Um, the new covers were revealed during DC's Gotham Publishing Panel at San Diego Comic-Con. It's going to be written by Ed Brisson with art by John Timms. Batman Incorporated debuts in October and features a team led by Ghostmaker. Other members include new characters like Clown Hunter, who debuted recently, oh, who debuted in the last two years, in 2020's Fear State storyline, as well as a host of old Batman Inc. favorites. So, let's see if we have a date here. Oh, Batman Incorporated number one goes on sale on October 11th from DC Comics. They've been setting this up in the pages of the Batman book. Gotcha. A uh, new Batman Spawn crossover reunites Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo. Uh, matter of fact, yes, I remember seeing uh, image, uh, pictures of them during the con. So, again, uh, this is uh, Batman Spawn number one. Uh, it's a 48 page one shot that hits comic stores on December 13th uh, with the aforementioned uh, creative team. Uh, Todd, uh, of course, says it's the biggest book of the year. Uh, he also called uh, Capullo the greatest Spawn artist ever. Mm. There you go. I, I mean, it's even better, right? I, I mean, it's even better that, you know, he had such a long run on Batman. Right. right? Uh, mm. I, you know, the, I, I still, I, you know, I still remember the first one. The first crossover was, was actually great, but, you know, Klaus Jansen, did you that, right? If, if, if memory serves correctly. No, there were two, there were two of them. Right, because oh, one of them is them and Mark Bagley, right? Mm, right. So there was a Batman Spawn and a Spawn Batman, right? I right. think one of them was DC, right? One of them was published by DC. One of them was published by Image, and if I recall, the Image one was all Todd, and the DC one had Klaus Janssen on it on art. I definitely, I'd have to, I'd have to double check my yeah. my files, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. I defer, defer to both of you on that one. <laughs> I never really read Spawn like that. Um, or actually at all, now to think about it. Next up, though. Um, Sergeant Rock versus the Army of the Dead. Bruce Campbell to write six-issue miniseries for DC Comics. So, um, apparently this is being set in 1944. Um, uh, it will feature art by Eduardo Rizzo. And uh, and it recontextualizes the adventures of Sergeant Rock, who was created by Robert uh, uh, Andrew and Bill Cooper in 1959. Uh, it is set to be released on September 27th. And uh, apparently, I didn't know um, uh, uh, Bruce Campbell had written comics before. Apparently, it says here he did one called Man, Man with a Screaming Brain. It was based off a movie, or based off of one of his movies, of course. Sure, it makes sense. And then it goes into the synopsis of, uh, of what that miniseries, uh, the Sergeant Rock miniseries is about. When was the last time we've seen Sergeant Rock uh, <laughs> recently? I mean, obviously there's, you know, I know I figured it would have had something for him. I don't know. Regardless, mm -hmm. there you go. Next up. 
Yeah, just a, just a circling back to that one question about Batman Spawn and Spawn Batman. Yeah, the uh, the DC version of the crossover uh, was Batman Spawn War Devil. It was written by Alan Grant, Doug Munch, and Chuck Dixon with art by Klaus Janssen. You know, shout out to Atman Wang 97 for getting that one right on the head. So, yeah, our memories are not, you know, are not as bad as we think they are. Next up, Sergeant Slaughter. We go from Sergeant Rock to Sergeant Slaughter. Hey, maggots. Uh, G.I. Joe classified series figure pre-orders launched at San Diego Comic-Con. So if you, I don't know if they, if, if the pre-orders have sold out, but Hasbro opened up pre-orders for the G.I. Joe classified series um, back in April. Uh, wait, hold on. So it was revealed back in April and it opened up pre-orders for the series uh, at San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con and it is available for $33.99. Uh, Star Wars Universe expands with gorgeously detailed sideshow and Hot Toys figures. Um, let's see. The Sideshow debuted two new additions to its Clone Wars six-scale figure line with Ahsoka Tano and Cad Bane during the previously released uh, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, it goes into who Cad Bane is. I think people probably know who that is, but Clone Wars, and uh, I guess most recently, um, Book of Boba Fett. Uh, the figure stands at 10.5 uh, inches, I guess, uh, tall. Or, wait, that can't be inches. That would be kind of... Anyway, is expected to ship in 2023 between April and July. Um, you can join Shitro's uh, RSVP list to be notified when the Cad Bane figure comes available. I guess, you know what, that probably would be something they would do, because, yeah. Uh, the Hot Toys, meanwhile, revealed a huge array of Star Wars figures at, uh, at the con. There's uh, six scale figures for Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader, as well as N1 Starfighter. Um, and uh, Darth Vader figure, which is based on the Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, show. And uh, that will be available in the near future. So... The Obi-Wan Kenobi figure is out now for um, pre-order, and the rest are gets coming uh, between, are coming at some point. It looks like they were expected to ship between October 2023 and March 2024, that for the um, Obi-Wan Kenobi figure. And then there's some droids and some other stuff, but basically there's a whole bunch of figures. There's a battle droid that actually looks pretty good, but um, yeah, uh, uh, a bunch of other droids and whatnot uh, also was um, announced during that. Next up. Next up, uh, celebrating the honor and stories of Marvel Studios' Black Panther, the company's Funko, Hasbro, and Rockalove Jewelry and more are releasing a brand new collection of figures, toys, and jewelry which feature familiar characters out of Wakanda. So this article uh, by Marvel is basically a compilation of all the stuff they are releasing and re-releasing in advance of Wakanda Forever coming out in November. And it's an interesting mix of items. Uh, a lot of this stuff is, uh, you know, uh, a re-release of things that that were uh, of, of things that were that came out in the wake of the first Black Panther movie. The Funko Pops do cover some of the new iterations of these characters, like Queen Ramonda and Shuri in their white garb that is featured in the trailer. 
But I'll also say that they they're reissuing some of the Marvel Legends figures, including T'Challa, uh, Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa uh, as the Black Panther, um, the the Kimoyo beads, which you know I'm a fan of. I got a pair. I got a set of the glass ones. The um, the metal ones proved to be a little bit too. Were, were the the ones I ordered were a little small, so I. I uh, I uh, I I I didn't sell them. I just I gave them to a friend. He gave me the cost of uh, uh, of the actual beads themselves. But um, at the end of the day, um, you know, for people who missed out on the first go around, uh, and you want to celebrate the release of Wakanda Forever, it's nice to it's nice that they're coming out with some of these uh, pieces again. Yeah, but the, the, the pops we talked about last week because this is the stuff that was uh, that had a. Uh, had already been announced um, before the show started. So, mm-hmm. and yes, I'm, yes, I did get them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I might take another stab at those Camoyo uh, uh, beads. I don't know. Because I didn't get, I, I did not get them last time. Anywho's, uh, next up Marvel reveals real life Infinity Stones collection worth $25 million. Yeah. Sit on that for a second, folks. <laughs> So this was this call came out at uh, Comic Con uh, from the booth. Uh, let's see, this is oh, uh, Marvel is collaborating with East Continental uh, Gems to release the Infinity Gems, the Infinity Collection of Gems, excuse me, made up of six real life precious stones representing time, space, reality, power, soul, and mind stones from the comics and several films. Um, the six. Stones come in a, at a combined 150 carats. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, hence, how much this is, is. I would like to meet the person who can afford to get these. And I mean, wouldn't them. they? Wouldn't they offer like a gold-plated Infinity Gauntlet so you could mount these things in them? I would not be. I mean, well, I guess they do have versions that they could do, but not like real, like not what you're talking about. I'm just saying they could do that. They could do that. You know, for 25 mil, what's another couple hundred thousand? You're not wrong. You are not wrong. So if you are the type of person who can afford something like this, hey, holla at me. We could, we could use some sponsorship. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, I'll, I'll, goes without saying, the stones have no power. They're basically paperweights just like in love. <laughs> right, 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 right. But yeah, hey, there you go. You can, you can flaunt them if you want and get robbed mm-hmm. if you want to. Next up. All right, next up. So this article has some images of um, the latest releases from San Diego Comic-Con that were uh, revealed by Diamond Select. First among them is the a new iteration of Beta Ray Bill. It's the modern costume that he's wearing uh, in the um, Daniel Warren Johnson series that, he, that I think he started wearing in the Daniel Warren Johnson series, but maybe even earlier than that in, in the Thor series. And I there's a... Say- that's all Donny Cates kind of mentioned. So, hey, it's our it's our figure. Oh, okay. So it was during the Cates run. Okay. Because yeah. uh, I remember Daniel Warren Johnson had that 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 separate Beta Ray Bill limited series. But yeah, it was during the Cates run. Okay, I apologize. So, but I, I had a feeling it was also during the 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 um the what you call it the uh, the regular Thor run. But yeah, no, there's actually a classic Beta Ray Bill uh figure in the uh, statue that uh, is is part of Diamond Select. Here, that's that 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 warms my heart to see. So, if you click through this article, you will enjoy some of these cool statues and action figures. That cool. looks nice. Yeah, it does. 
It no, does. I mean, I'm just not a big statue person, so. Yeah, same. There's the Brady Ray Bill. Oh, you know. Da da da, etc., etc., etc. Anyway. Next up. Uh, Marvel's South Korean super team, a uh, superhero team lands their first solo hero. So Tiger Division is getting their own um, series. Uh, where did, where have they appeared before? Like I was trying to, I, I think they mentioned in the article. I just like yeah. I knew some of the some of the heroes appeared in Agents of Atlas. Correct. But I was like I, the rest of the team. I was like, where do they come from? So there's some that came from video games uh, that that ended up getting uh, came from Future Fight, the video game, and then ended up being in the comics. I believe that's where um, uh, Luna Snow came from. Right. Maybe White Fox. Um, right. But Tiger Division's first appearance, I want to say, was in Black Cat. Oh, right. That's what it was. Got it. Yeah, you're right. Black- you're right. Oh no! Ta- or was it Taskmaster? Oh no! You're right. It's it was definitely a Jed a, Je- a Jed McKay book. That's the right. that's the, that's the key. Right. Uh, let's see. Oh wait. So let's see. see. Yeah, Task uh, Twenty Twenty One Taskmaster Number Three. It was Taskmaster. Uh, yeah. Also, yeah, and they also showed up in Black Cat Annual and Death of Doctor Strange, White Fox, and uh, etc. Oh yeah. Oh wait, White Fox was from Concept Champions. Oh. Anyway, doesn't matter. There you go. Uh, that is, I believe, this is from. No, oh, this is uh, Tiger Division number one is uh, goes on sale in November. So there you go. Uh, and I believe, wait, is this? Does it say who? Who's uh, writing this stuff? Uh, oh, Emily Kim of um of silk fame and crease lee is the creative team nice i actually know crease lee he's a good guy okay cool. and we know like I said, we, we like the emily kim's uh silk series so yep. that's cool yep yep next up next up uh thanks again to our very own at tim dog 98 for this article legendary x-men creator chris claremont is reuniting with sal laroca the artist for return to Extreme X-Men, which debuted in 2001. Oh, my goodness. Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. Um, this new iteration of Extreme X-Men will follow in the footsteps of X-Men Legacy, Symbiote, Spider-Man, Wolverine Patch, and other titles that take readers back in time to fill in the gaps from Marvel's past. So, uh, yeah, that I don't know if I'll be on board for this, but it'll be interesting to read that first issue and see what... What Claremont had planned for uh, the continuing saga of uh, Extreme X-Men had he been able to continue his run back then. It's actually a five-issue limited series, so it's not so bad. Yeah, it'll be on sale November 30th. Marvel Strange Academy is back in session with a new series. Yay! Um, I know, right? Uh, It's going to be called Strange Academy Finals. Uh, the ongoing series, which is going to launch this October, and uh, solicits uh, same creative team looks like. So there you go. Um, happy, happy news right there. Next up. All right, uh, Marvel Comics is expanding into the culinary arts with Test Kitchen, T E S T Kitchen, a brand new Infinity comic from Chef Paul Eschbach and artist E J Sue. 
Uh, it was announced by C.B. Sobolski, the Marvel editor-in-chief, at Friday at this past Friday's Marvel Fanfare panel. Test Kitchen will follow Anna Amiyama, a high-end chef, who decides to take a shot at running her own food truck. Where have we heard that one before? However, when Iron Man crashes, crash lands on it by accident, she gets offered the chance of a lifetime, a position at Stark Enterprises, and that gets the ball rolling on the story. Okay. Yeah, I went out there on uh, Marvel Unlimited to see if this was already out there, but it, uh, as no, a, a, no, it's available. No, it's available August eighth on Marvel Unlimited. Right. Um, so, and at first I saw this was like America Test Kitchens doing a um, <laughs> they're doing the uh, a slip up. I was like, that's kind of crazy, but no. Um, the Berserker panel recap and footage description from Comic Con twenty twelve. I won't go through too much of it, but yes, Keanu Reeves was there. Um, uh, for the panel, uh, along with Matt Kent and I can't remember who else it was. I think it was uh, the head of uh, the head of Boom or something. But regardless, uh, and this article kind of goes into what uh, went on with that panel. Panel obviously, Keanu got big applause for being there. Right, and it was a nice of him and Matt Kent and uh, whoever else that that is floating about. Right, I left out that I had heard that uh, Keanu also showed up for. It wasn't officially a, a John Wick panel. But it was something. I think it was a young filmmakers panel that Chad Stahelski was on, and uh, Keanu came out and they showed that John Wick trailer, the teaser trailer. So yeah, Keanu was uh, in 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 his presence was definitely felt this past San Diego Comic Con. And of course, you're breathtaking. Okay. <laughs> well, folks in the video games will know where that came from. Uh, next up, though, uh, Scott Snyder. Wait, this is you. Yeah, this Sorry. is me. Uh, Scott Snyder and Francesco Francavilla's Night of the Ghouls is getting a print release. So this uh, series will first be published as print single issues, three double-sized issues before going to trade paperback. This follows the release of Snyder and Greg Capullo's We Have Demons as single-issue periodicals and the upcoming print collection arriving August 30th from Dark Horse Books. Okay. Um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sequel has been revealed at Comic Con. So, um, yeah, I would say say the first uh, that first team up was all right. Y'all remember me talking about it a little while ago, uh, a few months ago, I guess. So yeah, they're back. Um, There's going to be I think is yeah writer Ryan Parrott and Dan Mora, which I believe is the same creative team as previously, and. it's going to go on sale December of this year. So back with Avengers films. Next up. All right. So the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are getting a new leader for the Rat King's impending Armageddon game in the form of dun, 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 the Shredder. So in a statement from IDW, laid, uh, which laid out the plot of the upcoming TMNT Armageddon game by longtime series scribe Tom Waltz and Red Sonia illustrator Vincenzo Federici. Okay. Let's see if there's a release date for this. The Armageddon game opening moves begins on June 8th. I read this and I was like, wait, is this like when Magneto took over the X-Men? After Shredder, after um, uh, Spencer died or something? I mean, after um, <laughs> Professor X died or something? I don't know. Either way. IDW expands the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ronin-verse with The Lost Years. So, Listen, IDW's uh, got to come up with some kind of content, right? After losing yep. uh, 
you know, some licenses there. Yeah, um, I was about to say G.I. Joe's, not G.I. Joe's, uh, Transformers. Transformers, yeah. Are they? No, they lost both the Hasbro licenses. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. Is, is, do Well, do you guys know who got them? Uh, wait, was it Darth? Darth? I, it, I don't know if it's public release, so that's why I'm not. Yeah, don't say, like, don't say if, if it's not for public I, consumption I, yet. Cause I don't, yeah, I don't know. I know, I've, I know Darker, Darker was picked up something recently, but I don't think it was either, either one of them. I don't know. So, uh, know if you're still around, let, let exactly. We'll, we'll talk about this off the record. Yeah. But yeah, apparently, uh, like they're, they're coming back at it, which, hey, you know, last runner was pretty good. Um, and there's a quote here for, from, um, uh, Kevin Eastman says, uh, to continue exploring and telling stories uh, within the last running universe couldn't be possibly more exciting for me. I'm so thrilled we get to stay and play here for a while, uh, and I can't wait for her to share everything that we have planned. Buckle up, TMNT fans. We've got two turtle universes that are going to, uh, that are about to get serious. Oh, and the uh, second is referring to that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Saturday morning adventures that we had talked about previously in the show. Yeah. Matt, we I think Roddy Cat and I will both recommend the last Ronin miniseries to you. I don't know if you read it. No, it, it's definitely on my list. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It was definitely entertaining. It took a long time to come out, but now that it's done, you have the uh, the luxury of being able to read it all at once. And definitely reads better that way. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. Because we were reading it as it came out, and there were some, you know, there was a time when it was bi monthly. Which we were okay with, but then it then it lagged even beyond that schedule. So now, now uh, on that note, um, I woke up to call it a night. No worries, dude. No worries. Yeah. We understand, and we're right at the you know we're right at the tail end of the the comic book news anyway. So it's a good time. Great, but thanks again for having me on. Count me in for uh, the New York Comic Con show, and uh, you know when you do your treasury editions, uh, count me in. No problem, no problem. We will let we will run the list again. But we'll run the list by you again and see what yeah, we yeah. all want to do. Yeah, you have this, so we'll we'll let you know what we if we end up doing any of them. Definitely. All right. It's all good right. to see all of you. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Take care. Take it easy. All, all right. right, it's back to me and Roddy Cat, and we are like I said, right at the tail end of the announcement, so it's not too bad tonight. Indeed. I was about to say, do you want to cover the Star Trek news? Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, sure, why not? Um, actually, yes, I will do it. Uh, the new era of uh, Star Trek comic books launching with Star Trek number one. Uh, buckle up, folks, because they're going multiversal with this one. Because, um, uh, let's see, beginning with a brand new flagship ongoing series, um, and they do the thing, no, no man, where no one is going before. Da da da. da you know where it goes. Uh, debuting in October 2022, Star Trek number one features art by uh, Ramon Rosanas and scripts by um, uh, I can't say friend of the show, but definitely former guests of the show, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, uh, who are the creative team behind Star Trek Year Five, which I've not read. Now think about it. Um, Star Trek number one weaves an epic and unprecedented adventure story that spans the far reaches of the Star, Star Trek universe, uh, multiverse. I'm going to do that folks. Um, bringing together characters from across the galaxy, all in all eras and variations of the beloved franchise. Cisco is up for an instance, uh, center in this, uh, preview shot that they show, and I'm very happy about that. So you know they're going to DS9. Uh, 
Um, and of course, they have to band together to, re- to prevent the mysterious murder of the gods, apparently. What does God need with a, a franchise? Um, but yeah, that is that. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, let's see, you got some cover art and some, some, uh, concept, some art of the, um, folks that are going to be featured character wise. A couple of them, I have no idea who these people are. Maybe these are from just Discovery or, um, Strange New Worlds or something, because I don't know them. But regardless, you got Data, you got Cisco, so, uh, amongst other folks. Looks like Beverly Crusher is going to be in the mix also. Cool. Uh, next up. Alrighty, next up, uh, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt Returns. The lightning vessel of the Awakened is back as writer Fred Van Lenty uh, and artist Jonathan Lau team up for a retelling of Peter Cannon's origin and how he became the living Thunderbolt. This action-packed series, Peter Cannon Thunderbolt Destroyer of Death, kicks off this November. Okay. Is there a date on this? Let me see if I can open the article. Uh, just says uh, November. Okay. All right. Next up. Um, I'm gonna let you have to take these next two. I, I uh, just you know the, the last two because you have an affinity for more one of them more than I think I do. For... Understood. Understood. Not a problem. Not a problem. All right. right. So you got this next one. But I love them. So I'm just gonna I'm be excited for. Uh, beforehand dynamite entertainment announces tarzan series so tarzan returns to comic books in november as dynamite entertainment announced the lord of the jungle from dan writer dan jurgens and benito gallego gallego i apologize if i butchered your name which i know i did um gallego gallego yeah gallego no there was um there's a baseball player named mike gallego so i'm pretty sure that's how that's pronounced gotcha so let's see, let's see. Alongside um, uh, Benito Gallego, Jurgens will reestablish Tarzan in the eyes of long time in the eyes of longtime fans, and show how badass and entertaining he is to new readers alike. That is this article saying that, not me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is. We don't have a date uh, for where this is coming. Just that they have it. Next up, and the last couple of articles for the night, which I'm kind of excited about. All right, so first up, Disney's Gargoyles returns with a new season from Dynamite Entertainment. So it is, to me, a much beloved franchise, and it is for some other people too. Starring anthropomorphic stone guardians protecting New York City will soon return to the world of comics, courtesy of Dynamite Entertainment. So Dynamite's license encompasses graphic novels and periodical comics that will continue the story of Gargoyles with input from one of the franchise's original creators, Greg Weissman, which is great news. The comics will serve as a new season, quote-unquote, for the show, which was produced by Walt Disney Television Animation and ran for three seasons from 94 to 97. Man, I miss those shows. While also being accessible to Gargoyles newcomers. Those are some great shows. I know they're on Disney+. Plus. I really do need to circle back on that. Yeah, I, that, that is a blind spot for me because like this was a little... But a little after my time, even though I knew of it, and I think I had might have watched one episode. I know I know people love them from Gargoyle. The music is great, and a lot of the voice actors are Star Trek TNG uh, mm-hmm. uh, crossovers. So it's just really good. Yeah, 
Um, so yeah, I'm look, actually just like you. I'm definitely going to uh, check that series out on Disney Plus. And finally, oh, you want me to take this one too? Yeah, go for it. All right, hold on, hold on. I didn't open it up. Disney's Darkwing Duck gets a new series from Dynamite Entertainment. So uh, Dynamite announced the imminent return of Darkwing Duck to comics with a new series, graphic novels, and reprints planned for Drake Mallard, a.k.a. Darkwing Duck. Um, The new title will be released at the beginning of 2023. In addition to all new original tales, his classic adventures will be reprinted as well in facsimile editions and graphic novels. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, I, I... While I did not watch Gargoyles, I definitely watched some Darkwing Duck. <laughs> I was going to say, you should have taken the story. No, 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 no. It's, it's all good. Because like I said, this is, I figured like you, you were probably a little closer to it than I, than, than I was. No. I like, did watch. Not so no, much. Not so much. Not so much. Yeah. I mean, I was, I, you know, I, I've watched DuckTales. Hmm. Um, well, you know, whatever it did, but yeah. You know. Yeah, I got you. But yeah, but I'm, I'm, I will, we'll be definitely checking that, checking out those when, um, when they come out. I, as I sit here and look at, uh, the, the Darkwing Duck DVDs I have here on site. That's funny. <laughs> Which I also know is on Disney Plus, uh, and I have revisited a couple of times. That's so. funny. Uh, and that is it, folks, for All the right. News. So let's get into our first, uh, first ad read, I guess. Yeah, unbelievably, our very first ad read of the night is for Wink, the personalized wine club. Wink is a world of wines delivered right to your door. From Rosé to Cabernet to Toronte, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Ever try an orange wine? Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash Wink. That's cspn.us forward slash W-I-N-C. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. And now we get into our comics. Nice. Um, so we did establish something our, how we were going to handle this, but we did forget to um, uh, pick which book we were going to go first. But I think we said no. We said amazing. Oh, we did say amazing. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, I have it written down. Never mind. I down. Would it have helped if I scrolled down off, off of the list? Wouldn't it? Um, but, yeah, so the first book we're going to talk about, and we're, we're only going to do this one probably one more, and then we're going to wrap it, except I haven't read, read much, and I can just blow through mine. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, so, I don't have any covers this week, so sorry. It's okay. It's a, it's a busy, you know, it's a busy week with San Diego Comic-Con news, so it's okay. So the creative team... On Amazing Spider-Man number six is a little complicated because there is a main story and there are a few backups. So on the main stories, on the main story, it's written by Zeb Wells with pencils by Ed McGinnis, inks by Mark Morales, and colors by um, Nathan Fairburn. Yes. No. 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 Um, I think that was it. Colors. Colors is from. 
um, the second story on. Oh, okay. So, so art, so pencils and inks. Yeah, but there's got to be some colorist on on the main story. Give me a second. I'll pull it yeah. up. Yeah. I'll pull. I'll pull it up. Sorry, folks. We'll make sure to get this right because we do like to attribute to properly attribute the credits to the creative, uh, the the members of the creative team. So mm. it's a, you know it's some it, it's something that we take seriously here on the Comic Book Chronicles. Um, wow! So inkers on that first story are Mark Morales, Ed McGinnis, Wade Vaughn, Graw Badger, and Cliff Rathburn. Marcio Meniz, Dijo Lima, rest in peace, Dijo Lima, and Eric Arceniega are the colorists on the main story. The main story's letterer is our very own favorite lettering paisan, VC's Joe Caramagna. The backup stories are uh, written by Daniel Kibblesmith, Jeff Loveness, and Dan Slott, with art by David Lopez and Todd Nock and Marcus and Marcos Martin. Um, colors. Uh, uh, I think they cover the colors also, and uh, the letters are by VCs Joe Caramagna. Yep. So this is. Um, oh, I'm sorry. The colors. The colorists were Nathan Fairburn, Fairbairn, Rochelle Rosenberg, and Munza Vicente. Those are the backup story colorists. I apologize, folks. Go ahead, Rodicat. Right. So this is ninth, uh, 900th episode, uh, issue of Amazing Spider-Man uh, in legacy numbering even though it's number six uh, in this volume. Right. I love when they do that. Um, and this is definitely a, a, um, a hundredth episode ish, uh, issue because uh, we don't have anything in the current storyline. We just have uh, um, the main story uh, even is a, a flashback to a year ago, apparently, uh, prior to the story. So as uh, we told, well, I was about uh, to say, what it does is that it fills in some gaps in that main in that ongoing story. A little bit, just not the stuff we want to know about. That's correct. You are absolutely on point with that. It does <laughs> fill in a little bit, just a little bit, right? Like so. wiggle, not wiggling it, not wiggling it a little bit, but just a little bit. Oh my God, folks! <laughs> you know what it's like. We we always sneak in some sort of music reference here on the Comic Book Chronicles. Right. Um, so yeah. So basically, uh, like I said, it goes back for a year in, with a story involving a story that reads more like an intervention. The way people were going about it um, uh, for Peter for his birthday, uh, but uh, apparently people are, were uh, were miffed at Peter because he was on time. Go figure. Because you know Peter's not normally on time. One and you know. It was weird because, like I said, you, there are some still some things we still don't know about in this because people were treating, people were being weird about, weird around Peter. At least that's what it read like to me. And I don't know if it was because of stuff that already happened or because of the fact, it w- couldn't have been just because he was late. Um, or excuse me, was he was on time. But we have people like Flash Thompson, uh, Anna Maria, uh, the, Felicia Hardy was there, apparently. Bobby Morris, aka Mockingbird, was there because I totally forgot the fact that he, uh, that uh, Peter and her were dating, right, um, a while back. I mean, it'd be great if they brought Carol Danvers in, you know, because there's a whole bunch, like, you know, Peter Parker went through a whole blonde phase for a little while. Yeah, right. You can't, but you can't get over those redheads. Nope. And the- nope. I mean, listen, <laughs> they even tried to give him an Asian phase with Cindy, so right. 
technically they kind of had uh, um well not agent but i mean um uh, uh anna maria but that was technically coming off of ox so that doesn't yeah really that count. doesn't count which also is kind of funny because there was a part where there was where uh uh, uh anna maria was uh so the, the, the question story is like so there's this party uh, peter was early jana jonah's nowhere around uh no mary jane also uh, at this party um uh worth noting so that that was the part that we don't get to see a part uh about. yeah no uh, hints yeah there. no hints at all right um but then some shenanigans end up happening in the form of dr octopus uh Octop- 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 dr octopus's arms who apparently have J. jonah jameson hostage and that just starts the whole uh adventure uh rolling after this uh, after the party thing which branches off into this plot by um I guess I'm going to go ahead and call him the Living Brain, since that's what this is streaming off of. Because they didn't necessarily give him another name, right? And this is the thing. I think this was from Superior, where wasn't Superior where the Living Brain was? Um, well, was here, well, if you if you read the notes in right. the book, right, the editor's notes and the author and the writer's notes in the book, apparently that Living Brain character that we were in, that we were introduced to in the pages of Superior Spider-Man was based off of another living brain character, which is the one that we see here from early, early in the Spider-Man Ditko Lee run. Apparently, this is from a very early issue uh, that they're calling back to here. And that living brain, right, and I think that living brain that was in Superior that we're familiar with is a variation, right? No, but it's a variation of this original living brain or is you know like uh taken you know like uh, inspired by let's say right as we come to find out that exactly and the reason why and the reason why that threw me off because when they do the footnotes they do you know they do hey make asm what or whatever but i don't remember or maybe they did i just glossed over it but they normally sometimes they used to put the year on them and i don't think they did with somebody either. it was like i don't remember this from the last couple of runs so i don't know what they're talking about here um regardless um but it was a big plot um in service of the story because um liberal brain wanted to know who spider-man was and of course you think one way but it doesn't turn out to be that way uh the sinister six plays a big part in this and we get uh the introduction and probably only use of um the super adaptoid the sinister six super adaptoid um and also the sinister six which uh plays out quite hilariously during this uh, the first um the, the main story um uh, and yes, yeah, so Spidey's friends and family are kind of loosely involved with this uh, uh, um, in the beginning of it. Well, they are involved in it in the beginning, but then it just ends up being Spidey and Sinister Six. Right. So that, which I love that part because the whole that whole thing was pretty funny. This is a potential click of the week for me. Um, and I guess um, I don't know if you have anything to say about that. Or we could just talk about the, the other the other. Um, no, I mean I would. <sighs> You know, to, 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 you know, I kind of wish that, that Matt had stayed on for this part just yeah. because, you know, we didn't really spoil what happened here and it doesn't really build on any of – it doesn't fill in any of the blanks that we wish it did. Obviously, right. they're, 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 going to te- they're going to keep on teasing what happened to Peter Parker in between that Spencer run and this Zeb Wells run. And so, you know, we're left still – kind of scratching our heads trying to figure out how we got from a to b or from that point to from from the spencer run the end of the spencer run 
to this Zeb Wells run, and it's frustrating. And I found myself at the end of this just thinking, what the heck is the point of this entire book? I love that, you know, it's all about who is Spider-Man, not the man behind the mask, but who is Spider-Man? Like, what does Spider-Man symbolize? What does Spider-Man stand for? I get that, and I love that. But I don't know. Maybe we're just old and jaded, you know. I'm too old for this shit. But maybe that's the case where it's just, you know, like that level of frustration, like, you know, that kind of went away while I was reading it, jumped right back up right at the end. (laughs) You know? Yeah, because, yeah, because, like I said, the enjoyable stories, all of the stories, in my opinion, all the stories in here were enjoyable for one reason or, or another. The main story, definitely so, but it's still, there, there is that little sticking across, like, okay, but what's going on here? Right. Where is this part? Where, where is this part that we haven't gotten to yet? Right. You know, that you keep hitting around to. So, yeah, like I said, it didn't necessarily take me out of it, but definitely had me thinking about it. For sure, for sure. Um, that said, the other, what was it, two, I think it was like two or three other, um, uh, um, stories behind the main story, one having to do with the library, which I enjoyed that one. I was thinking, like, if that library is not named Valerie, there's going to be a riot. It was cute. It was very, it it was cute. You know, and obviously it, it, uh, it, it has a real world basis in it. You know, I remember that announcement of um, the New York Public Library uh, uh, forgiving all of the overdue fines. So, right. But of course, in true Parker luck, that uh, things don't play out um, <laughs> the way he, he he thought it was. And apparently, he and or someone, some other folks, have been having some good times with his with his library card. Right. Uh, Include that. It may get a little saucy. Apparently, if that was if that was the if that was true. <laughs> that, I'm like, Aunt May can't get her own library card. Come on. Right. You would think she would. Aunt May definitely has a library card. Come That's on. That's what I'm saying. Great standing for years. <laughs> I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, but that was a but that was a very cute story. And then there was a, the story after that, which uh, I say in my notes, uh, Age of 70's favorite late night host. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's not my it's not my absolute favorite, because no. if it was Fallon, oh, my God, I think I would have I'd you know, like the, the, the murderous, you know, smash, you know, the Hulk smash rage that I, that I'm infamous for would have come out. Oh my God. So into the edition of that one, uh, Avengers story and probably other stories where Letterman shows up. Cause I know they kind of call back to, uh, they make a call, uh, a Letterman reference in, in this story. Uh, I'm sure pointedly, um, Spidey ends up teaming up with, uh, one Jimmy, uh, Kimball. Right. You know, that corporate synergy. <laughs> right. Um, against Mysterio, who apparently has some music out. Um, uh, which I'd be like, I'd be uh, lying if I said I would probably want to listen to uh, Mysterio's album. Probably some ASMR in it also. Mm. But anyway, uh, and but that was the crux of that one. I believe that was it, though. No, no, there was like a uh, the the slot the slot story was like a two page thing. You know, it was a nice little touching story about uh, Peter obviously having a tough right. romantic right. luck with Betty Brant. Um, yes. I wanted to just touch on uh, the art choices that they made for the Jimmy Kimmel story because mm-hmm. uh, I will say that um, uh, Todd Nock also did the, uh, the Barack Obama uh, guest appearance 
in Amazing Spider-Man, you know, in celebration of him getting elected, but way back in 2007, mm-hmm. and um, or 2008 actually, and um, uh, you know, Knox Knox a good artist. I don't know if he's great at likenesses. I feel like uh, they could have found a different artist, but maybe they just didn't want to have have to, to to really find someone who would do a photorealistic likeness of Jimmy Kimmel here. Same thing with Barack Obama. So, you know, that was kind of disappointing. You know, like I said, I like Todd Nock as an artist. He's good. I just don't think he does very, really good photorealistic li- uh, likenesses or even likenesses of these particular real-life people. Nock style, you may or may not agree, but Nock style is more akin to probably newspaper editorial. And that's not a knock, by the way. But, right. But newspaper editorial style uh, um, cartoon meanings. Yep. Either, I love his art, but it, it definitely uh, it has its uh, weaknesses in, in in certain areas. Yep. Um, but yeah, that library story is great. Uh, uh, the the main story is great. That Jimmy Kimmel story was cute. You know, the the um, for whatever it was, I'm like, I didn't think they were going to do that. I believe that was the um, no, the Kimmel Smith was the one that was the library story. So, but uh, but yeah, good stuff. Like I said, potential click of the week for me. Right. Uh, and we can, uh, right. That slot, the slot story at the end was nice just because it was a two page, you know, multiple panels, great Marcos, uh, Martin art. So that, that was, it was, it was just a nice way to end this issue. It definitely makes you say, oh, right. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Right, so, so next up, let me see what you got up here. I've got Captain America, Iron Cat, Strange, and Detective Comics. So let's wrap it. I was about to say, let me start up the rapid fire and okay, we'll, sure. we'll cover the three that we have in common. I'll cover detective and you can do the rest of yours. Okay, sure. All right, here we go. I ain't got time to breathe. All right, first up is Captain America Symbol of Truth number three. It's written by Tochi Anyabuchi with art by RB Silva and Zay Carlos. Colors by Jesus Abertov and letters by our favorite lettering Paisan. VCs Joe Caramagna. So we are in the literal aftermath of uh, the story with um, Sam Wilson, Captain America, tracking down or, you know, trying to figure out what's going on with these uh, smuggled vibranium shipments. And the story has taken him to the halls of the capital of Latveria. And he is before the monarch, monarch of Latveria, one Victor Von Doom. Uh, together with, of course, another person with the surname of Wilson, namely Wade Wilson, a.k.a. Deadpool. I kind of got a kick out of that. Sirs Wilson and Wilson. That was a pretty funny uh, introduction here. Bottom line, though, here is that there is some political intrigue going on, which is obviously reminiscent of um, some of the things that we saw in uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier the Disney Plus series, but with definite twists and turns that are uh, that are um, native to this particular story. Um, we have uh, the Falcon uh, having his own adventure, independent of Sam, on the uh, uh, around the uh, U.S.-Mexico border. We have Sam Wilson revisiting his his roots as uh, you know his 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 Falcon roots, his pre-Falcon roots, even. And ultimately, um, we have a little bit of a crossover with Wakanda because it seems like that's where the story seems to be going next. 
Right, and it's all in service um, of a trap laid by uh, the White Wolf. So, right. Um, so there is that. I I, I I like this issue. I found, um, especially coming off of reading that last issue where everything went down, I, I thought it was kind of funny. Of like, you know what? Uh, Sam's dealing in, in Latveria went way better than most people's. <laughs> when, especially when dealing with a certain character that shows up in this book. Right. Because at the end of the day, uh, he's there as an unofficial U.S. business. That's the thing. Even if he wasn't announced as such, he's there as an official agent of the United States government, and which, which makes uh, his, his presence a little bit different uh, in this instance. Right. But still could have flew off in some, you know. Exactly. In a very superhero direction, let's say. Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up is Iron Cat number two. Oh, did you have something else to say? No, no, that's it. Okay. Iron Cat number two is written by Jed McKay with art by Perry Perez, colors by Frank Darmada, and letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. So we are in the second part of this Iron Cat miniseries. Do you know how many issues this is? Is this five? Um, I'm not sure, actually. I'm going to look this up um, when I finish, but... Uh, in this in this miniseries, we're exploring some more of Black Cat's origin, while also delving into um, a, a, sto- a story point that was created in the last Black Cat miniseries that involved Tony Stark and a suit of armor that uh, Felicia absconded with. You know, b- basically built. You know, built with stolen. Um, information and was able to abscond with temporarily, but eventually this armor was, uh, you said it was destroyed, right? I forget. Yeah. Right. She Tony. Right. Yeah. Tony ends up rebuilding it to make it better, and it's that better armor that has been hounding uh, Felicia, but it's being piloted by someone from Felicia's past, and it's that person from Felicia's past that is the focus of this issue. We get a lot of uh, focus on this character, and her relationship with Felicia and what and and how that blossomed into something uh more intimate and ultimately we find out how this character was able to break into Stark uh Stark International or Stark Industries's um computers to abscond with to get away with uh stealing the Iron Cat armor and that all ties into recent Iron Man stories so uh this was entertaining i really like the art um, I'm a fan of whatever Jed McKay is doing with uh, Black Cat. This is definitely a candidate for Click of the Week for me. I kind of like the introduction of this aspect of uh, Black Cat's history because it's a character that has been around for such a long time, but it really, you know, but she really hasn't received this kind of in-depth study, and I really enjoy the fact that she's getting this time in the sun. Agreed. The only thing is, is like this, I don't know, this, this I agree with uh, HS70 about this, uh, Jim McKay, Black Cat, great stuff. This feels a little more subdued to me, though. Not, not saying it's not good, but in the tone of it, at least this particular issue, I imagine that's going to pick back up next issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tone of this issue seemed a little more subdued for uh, Jed McKay because, you know, there's not really, this is basically a demo on downtown trying to uh, basically 
uh, like to get the backstory into the uh, exactly. There's a bunch of it's a bunch of flashbacks. Not as much, you know, like a, like a, like a little bit of exposition moving the story along. Obviously, you know, with uh, with with uh, Tony and, and and Felicia developing a plan, but right. the flashback is the 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 crux of this issue. Is the point of this issue? Right, and you get the inner workings of both of their minds in a, in a sense going into the next uh, issue. So. Which is, I guess, would explain why it's a little bit more subdued than right. than uh, than this than the story. Right, we're basically be. yeah, we're basically getting like the mirror image uh, antagonist story here, and that's you know, and this is the explanation behind the mirror image of Felicia in this story. Yep. All right. And in terms of limited series number, I'm pretty sure oh, comic five. list. Had it as five. Yeah, that's why. What's funny is that I remember seeing it. That's why the number popped into my head. I just wanted to confirm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, next up. Next up is uh, Strange, number four. This is also written by Jed McKay with pencils by Marcelo Ferreira, inks by Roberto Poggi, and colors by Jada Tartaglia. Letters are by VC's Corey Pettit. So I actually did enjoy this issue because there's some really funny bits in this issue. It involves uh, the current uh, Sorcerer Supreme, uh, Clea, entertaining her mother, Umar, from the Dark Dimension. And all the funny family hijinks ensue just based off of this one visit. Uh, the, um, uh, who are these dudes in the, in the black masks? The blasphemy cartel. The blasphemy cartel has been uh, a, a pain in Clea's side for the over the course of this series, and they unleash a demon, uh, a genie actually, and a demon onto Clea and Umar to try to take out Clea for you know basically stepping into Stephen Strange's shoes. Ultimately, in this issue, Clea proves to be triumphant, but reveals the the. Um, the the character who is behind all of this, and that is I don't know if this is a new character. Have you heard of this character before? Did this character appear early in this series, and I just don't remember because we're now in the fourth issue of this series. Um, I don't remember. I don't either. Now that I think about it, um, I was suspect as a new character, but I'm not sure. I had to go back and look actually. Right, so that's why I, I, hes- I hesitated to say the character's name because I could not say for sure. Ultimately, there's no indication that this is a limited series. There is a tease at the end of this issue of the return of somebody who might be the namesake of this book. So we'll see how that goes. You have anything to add? Uh, no, that's that's pretty much it. Now, yeah, I would have looked at this character up. I think it's they're, they're new, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, also, to the Googles, we will go. But ultimately, that is kind of an interesting uh, question to ask, you know? But, yeah, but uh, to, to, to round off the discussion on this, I'm just going to play this. What's that from? She's strange. I think that's all my beautiful before your time, sir. I don't know. I mean, I know cameo, but from word up. That's what I'm saying. This is this. I think this was before. That's that. early. Yeah, I was. Okay. Yeah, no, it might run at the same time. 
Yeah, no, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I was about to say, at the end of the day, Cameo did have uh, a career in the early, in the late 70s, early 80s, and then they kind of latched onto um, uh, hip hop in its earliest forms. Yeah. I can't, yeah, because I think this might have come before uh, Word Up or after, but it was definitely around that time frame. Regardless, uh, mm. yeah. You know what's funny? I'll, I'll tell you that I looked up on Marvel.com that this okay. strange series goes up to issue seven. So we are not ending at five. We're not ending at six. I don't know if we're ending at seven, but they definitely have not yet announced whether or not this is a limited series or if it's ongoing and maybe they'll probably just end it, you know, whenever Stephen Strange returns, if, if he does anytime soon. Right. Interesting. Okay. Next up. Uh, last for me is uh detective comics number 1062 it's written by ram v with art by rafael albuquerque colors by dave stewart and letters by ariana mayer so this is the first issue in ram v's run i believe on detective comics and it is a pretty good one but for a few things that i'm not a fan of one of them is a tie-in to some dark knight's metal elements of the of the batman story uh uh, PCN underscore Dirt and I had some uh, discussions online in, in our group chat just prior to the show. And, uh, I, you know, I'm inclined to agree with him that, you know, this was a very strong start. I'm not a fan of this a mythological bent on Batman. Kind of how I sort of understand the Spider-Man mythological bent that, that came in, you know, with the Spider-Man, with the Spider-Totem and all that stuff. And obviously... You know, thanks to that, we were able, we were gifted with the, with the, we were given the gift of Cindy Moon and, and all that stuff and, 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 and the, um, and, and, uh, Ezekiel and, and, and all those, um, you know, and basically that was that begat the Spider Verse, right? The Spider Totem story, right? So I can't necessarily hate that, but at least Spider Man does have some supernatural relation. You know, like there is something, you know, super about him. This is Batman. And so that's why I don't get this whole, you know, this, this whole supernatural tie-in. And I just don't, I don't like it. But at the end of the day, you know, we'll see where Ram V goes with this. This was a very strong issue. So it's definitely worth reading as a first issue of a new arc. And that's it for me. Alrighty. Uh, for me, The Variants, number two, written by Gail Simone. Uh, uh, art by Phil Noto and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Um, so we get a flashback conversation um, between uh, Jessica Jones and Tigra, of all people. So, uh, and apparently um, this was set during um, or set during or before A Force, not Secret Wars, but the, the series they had after Secret Wars. Um, or at least the, the uh, the flashback was that leads to an an unexpected thing that I at least unexpected to me thing uh, happening between them uh, before the flashbacks end. But they're basically talking about um, they're just having a conversation in a diner uh, um, uh, about a thing, but it leads Jessica Jones to, to flashback into to come back into the present uh, time of this book uh, where. In her and Luke's house, there is or were two other variants of her, one being a Captain America variant of Jessica Jones and the other one just another Jessica Jones uh, uh, variant uh, happened to be there, uh, uh, which um, 
I'm not gonna say a fight ensues because it kind of doesn't because whatever happens uh, in the thing happens starts and pretty much ends, especially when Luke Cage kind of comes in. Uh, but uh, it also leads to there being uh, an, uh, an outcropping of not an outcropping, but a couple of Jessica Jones variants kind of popping up uh, in the middle of and at the end of this uh, particular issue. One um, having another interesting um, moment with Daredevil. And I'm just thinking to myself, wait, did something like that actually ever happen? Like, was there a tie between Jessica Jones and uh, Daredevil in the comics before? I don't, I don't know. I'm not that, I'm not up on Daredevil like that. Obviously, you... There is, but I think it was more in the wake of the Netflix shows. So okay, that's and that's where I was going to. And also, and I was about to say, and also, New Avengers. Well, Daredevil wasn't on New Avengers, though, was he? No, but he was tied in because of Bendis. Oh right, gotcha. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, now that makes more sense. All right, um, but yeah, I I kind of sensed the whole the Netflix thing about about that but thing. But even then, what happened there? nowhere near happened let's put it that way um based on what i remember from the netflix series so that that one kind of threw me for a second but like i said it's uh it's been enjoyable like you have some old good for some uh some good interesting writing and and popping up some stuff there's all um uh an interesting panel where i saw um danielle luke and uh luke and uh, uh jessica's daughter um and behind her was a drawing she drew of planet terry now, if you're of a certain vintage, uh, you know who Planetary is. Uh, Star Comics, uh, which was an old uh, Marvel imp- uh, imprint right. uh, back in the 90s? No, 80s. 80s, 80s. I mean, listen, Star Comics was a great little imprint for somebody who had a little sister that wanted to read comics because right. they had Muppet Babies. They had, I mean, I think I picked up some Thundercats because that was printed under... Yes. Uh, Star Comics. I think Planetary is one of the original uh, nice. properties that were that was created that was created under the Star Comics imprint. But a lot of the stuff was licensed, and that's where Marvel put a lot of the licensed stuff that was not GI Joe or Transformers. You know, a little bit more kid friendly. But yeah, I remember Star Comics. That was definitely eighties. So that that particular uh, uh, um, um, you say right there, kind of kind of. Maybe good. Like that child is nowhere near old enough to know who Planetary is, and given what time the the, the Marvel slide timeline, I'm not even sure if uh, Luke or Jessica would either. <laughs> so, um, so that was kind of funny. But yeah, like I said, this is, was a, a, a an amusing story. To Boy, I'm getting too old for this shit. There's that uh, to continue whatever the, wherever the story is going. Yeah, I gotta. Um, I was about to say I gotta catch up on this. That's I. I did read the first issue of Variants. So I do have to catch up on that. Not bad. Um, Ant Man number one is the next uh, book. Uh, script by Al Ewing, art by Tom Riley, colors by Jody Belair, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So we, I think we kind of talked about this uh, book uh, a while back in the news because there is a, a an Ant Man from the future who's going to be going back in time, and that kind of. Uh, Starts yeah. to play play off here, right? So more but, Huey Lewis going back in time, except for not in the way, not like that, but yes, definitely because um, we start off the story with a um, with a framing convention um, 
but it goes into a quote-unquote classic Hank Pym and uh, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp uh, tale from back in the day. Even, you know, the art um, is, is done back in a, um, a classic style. Looks good, by the way. The, uh, Todd, um, um, artist. Um, Tom Riley, his art. Some real classic stuff. Uh, if you if you read that uh, team, team uh, the thing, uh, um, miniseries that was from not long ago, you kind of get shades of that. Although it's a little bit more um, modern use uh, of the art style there, as opposed to this one. This one kind of almost goes back to you know, four color kind of stuff. But anyway, you can get the sense of that. Yeah, it kind of. I was about to say, I I I read this very quickly. It reminded me of. You know, obviously, it's meant to evoke classic Marvel. It also reminded me of Darwin Cook a little bit. Mm, rest okay. in peace, yeah. rest in peace, Darwin Cook. You know, it definitely reminded me of that. It was, it, it's not exactly Darwin Cook, but it's definitely reminiscent of it. Right. So yeah, Tom Tom Riley is one of those artists who can, like, yeah, he's, he's he's good on certain certain stuff. Uh, I'm gonna, and I even like Doc Shander. Doc Shander's got this uh, old superstar, but it's kind of evokes a a, a certain period. Uh, either way, but yeah, like I said, it's a classic tale, uh, it's a quote-unquote classic tale, I say, of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, but it also leads into the uh, the recruitment a la Avengers Forever type of recruitment of, uh, of Hank Pym uh, with this new Ant-Man who we, whose name we don't have yet uh, uh, coming in at the end of this. Uh, Star Wars, Obi-Wan number three, written by Christopher Cantwell, uh, art by Alessandro Miracolo, uh, colors by Frank William, I'm assuming that's an S on the end, uh, letters by uh, VCs Joe Caramagna. I will bring that shit in. So, um, hey, did y'all see... No, I'm not going to do that. That's not right. Um, <laughs> I was about to say, the, 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 the framing behind this kind of starts off uh, sometime after the Seemingly starts off sometime after the uh, uh, Obi Wan series. We see Obi Wan on Tatooine, kind of uh, recounting uh, uh, his his uh, past before a sandstorm blows in, because um, he was obviously thinking about Luke and 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 them over on the the, the uh, Skywalker Ranch, as it were. Um, but then he flashes back uh, to a memory from the Clone Wars, um, where you know he, uh, where there's one particular battle where I guess uh, at the end of it he um, he comes to a certain mind frame about a certain 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 stuff. And that's pretty much I think that's been what these um, what this miniseries has been, kind of him kind of flashing back to stuff. I can't remember what the last two specifically there were, but I think last one was probably him and Anakin. Now that I think about it, but I don't remember. So yeah, this is the kind of stuff we're getting in, in this uh, miniseries, but you know, still good if you like the character. Um, Gambit number one, written by Chris Claremont, art by Sid Koshian, color artist uh, Espen Grendigen, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is another quote-unquote classic story um, uh, of uh, Gambit after he um, shortly after he meets D.H. Storm. Which I guess that was his introduction, the introduction to the X Men, anyway. Uh, and this is them in Cairo, Illinois. Ah, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like Cairo, Illinois. All right, all right. So, um, 
Uh, but yeah, Gambit's trying to um, see what um, Aurora can do, basically, and she's being, you know, quite impatient. It's not really happening. But I'd say, uh, I, and um, but I guess there's a teaching lesson in in some of that to where she she doesn't say it, but I guess she she pays attention to it later on. But the Shadow King is apparently also there, and obviously Aurora and the Shadow King got some history together at this time, and she kind of wants to go after him, but it's not yet. But so I guess this sets up later, uh, uh, later X Men, um, uh, uh, Claremont stories, basically. So right. this is kind of within his time of it, but sets up a story that he, mm-hmm. that is already out there for, right. for folks to watch. You know what's interesting? Uh, to- I'm sorry, go ahead. Did you have something else that you wanted to add? What's interesting about this is that this reminds... I skimmed this very quickly. This reminded me of how uncomfortable I am that... Uh, Krakoa welcomed all of these ex-villains, these mutant ex-villains, onto their shores, including the Shadow King. I remember these stories being so creepy and and being so traumatic for the characters who were battling the shadow king in the in you know on in the psychic realm on the on the um on the astral plane right and it was just you know it, it just it it bothers me and obviously that new mutant story played into you know what um uh the shadow king's you know nefarious intentions were on are still on Krakoa so right. it's just you know that that's it re- just reminded me of all those stories you know, um, uh, that, that the Shadow King, uh, all the, you know, the, 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 the heavy bad guy role that he played for such a long time in like 80s and 90s X-Men. Right. But even that new mutant story kind of ended up redeeming him at the end, sort of. Not necessarily redemption, but they kind of got to a place with him. Right. Uh, at the end of it. And actually, there kind of was some redemption, now that I think about it, because of whatever happened at the end of what they, how they dealt with it. So, yeah, that was kind of strange. Mm-hmm. Um that's just, I mean, but like I said, I was just uncomfortable with that whole story. Uh, I can, I can understand. Just based on, based on, you know, like my own history with the character, based on these stories that Claremont told. Right. So, weirdly enough, this issue had me wanting to go back and check out that, um, wasn't there a, a Gambit, mm, a Storm and Gambit miniseries? Or, or, did, or did that play out uh, during, in the Xbox? I can't remember. I don't recall. I don't recall. If, I don't. Yeah, I was about to. Say, I don't recall if they had like a a, a team up series. You know, I, I remember that they obviously had a team up bunch of stories in regular uncanny, and you know, crossing over into other books and even into annuals. So, right. Um, but yeah, but basically, had me going back to want to revisit that time because I I don't think I was reading the book at that time. Right, and this all right, and this all led into Extinction Agenda when Storm Spoiler Alert was reaged. Yes. Now that part I do remember because I did read that, but I wasn't mm-hmm. reading stuff prior to. Anywho, uh, let's see. Aquaman number six, uh, written by Brandon Thomas and Chuck Brown, art by Max Rayner, colors by Adriano Lucas, and uh, letters by And Royal Design. So this was the issue that I was uh, referred to earlier, where it catches up to the death of the Justice League. Uh, near the end of it. So this is basically the aftermath of everything that's going on that, you know, Aquaman, uh, Aquaman, Jackson Hyde, even Black Manta and his crew are basically trying to clean up after, um, uh, after what has been happening in this book where, you know, they were 
sleeper agent uh, Atlanteans attacking the surface world. And of course, people on the surface world kind of uh, having their own, or at least leaders of the, the surface world kind of like, well, we need to do something about this in case it happens again, something like that. And Steve Trevor trying to calm it down so not start a war and also reminding you of, of like, well, you know what? You, you folks have done this stuff too, so you're not really, you know, blameless in, in anything in the world's going on. But so they're trying to, he's trying to take care of that. Um, uh, while, like I said, um, Mira and, uh, uh, Arthur Curry and everybody's trying to clear this stuff up. Uh, and again, at the end of this, we see, um, um, Aquaman going off because, uh, some Justice League built, um, uh, business, which leads into cutting to the, the tie into the death of Justice League because they, then they cut to, after they find out that the Justice League is dead uh, at the end of this issue. Or, excuse me, dead. Uh, but again, the news story that we talked about earlier suggests that somebody's going to have a permanent death, and I don't know if it's, if it's Aquaman or somebody else. But I feel like they wouldn't have put something like that in this issue, uh, in, in this book, if something like that wasn't potentially uh, the case. We know the Justice League's not necessarily dead. Apparently, someone's going to actually die, uh, from what that article said. Anyway, right. last book, District Number Eleven, uh, written by Ed Brisson, art by Dexter Soy, colors by Veronica Gandini, and letters by Steve Wands. So this is part two of uh, District Year One. Uh, he basically goes on his first mission, uh, and it is involving the the project that made him what he was at, uh, or made him what he is uh, to to a point. And in this issue, um. He gets the suit, the classic, well, I guess the classic first version of the suit uh, that we know Destro from. And at the end, he actually uh, runs into a Justice Leaguer um, for the first time. So I guess we will get the, the uh, what happens uh, with that next issue. And that, folks, is it for me. Clicks of the week. Clicks of the week. And we did get one from Dirt, who says... <laughs> okay, I don't know what the rest of the part's about, but Detective Comics, uh, 1062. He says, uh, Ramvi, Raphael, Albuquerque, Chef Kiss. Right. You know, uh, the, the, the conversation that, that, that PC underscore Dirt and I had was about, um, you know, some of the, uh, the inner workings of the book. You know, which he liked and I appreciated, but I wasn't a fan of the whole Dark Knight's metal tie in, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and Dirt and I had a had a little had a quickie conversation about what Ram V likes with regards to, you know, mythologies. And obviously he's had he's had a touch. He, he's had a, 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 a run with some of the supernatural stuff with Swamp Thing uh, mm-hmm. over at D.C. So um, I wanted to just remind everyone that Tim Dog 98 really did tell us. That uh, he was excited about the Thunderbolts news, the Cap Four news, and the Daredevil announcements, and of course the Black Panther trailer. So he did tell us that those were the items that he was most excited about uh, when it came to the San Diego Comic Con announcements. Unfortunately, he did not have a click of the week for us this week. I am stalling by reading all that because I am trying to figure out what my click of the week is going to be this week. 
because I read a few books. I'm not 100% sure what I want to go with. I did like that Amazing Spider-Man, but it was so frustrating, I, as, as I said earlier. Um, I did like that Iron Cat number two, but it did, you know, play off, play a little slowly. And I did like that Strange number four because, you know, some of the, the interaction in there was just really entertaining between Clea and Umar. Yeah. I think those, yeah, those are pretty much my, my top ones too. That Ant-Man one was all right. Um, it was, it was an interesting story for, for what it was. Uh, the, the Gambit number one, what it was, was like I said, uh, uh, knowing a little bit about that time period, but not necessarily, you know, what happens after that. Right. Like, un, until we get to, uh, extension, extension agenda anyway. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, that, that's kind of a, a blind spot, but you know, it was a curiosity, uh, nonetheless. And where this issue, where this uh, Gambit series is going next, is probably going to be more to say, but just going in a different, uh, going to a different part of, of Claremont's run. Right. So I think, oh, I'm still thinking. Do you have a Do you have a strong idea of what yours is going to be? The strongest idea I have is Amazing Spider-Man Six. Hmm. You going to settle on that? I think I might. Um, mm. Iron Cat and Strange, great. Variance is good, also because I did enjoy enjoy that. Uh, and the aforementioned Gambit, but yeah, you know what? I think I am gonna uh, come down on Amazing Spider Man. Okay. Uh, okay. I think I'm gonna go with Iron Cat number two because I think even though it was a slower paced issue, I really enjoyed seeing you know some of some more of Felicia Hardy's backstory that Jed McKay is fleshing out. Hmm. I also will say I do love the uh, in Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> that uh, the whole thing with Felicia and Bobby. Yeah, because she was all love, was all uh, jealous of Bobby. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that was pretty good. So, but yeah, not a bad. I was about to say it's too bad Carol wasn't there because she could have been jealous of Carol too. Yeah, although she wouldn't do nothing about it. At least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, like Bobby's more on Bobby Morris is much more on Felicia Hardy's level because if Carol Danvers walked in the door and 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 she was playing that particular role or another role as an ex, then yeah, Felicia Hardy's not going to be able to do much there. And I feel like Carol wouldn't care much either one way or the other, so it probably wouldn't have mattered. But um, right. but those were some fun issues, like the short time that they were together. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to go. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to go with Iron Cat number two. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I see that one. Uh, and while I um, while I get the rest of these down, uh, how about give us one last ad read? Our last ad read of the night, and you know we've been at this for quite a while tonight because we had a guest on and we had lots of news. You know what we go with. It's late. Keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us and click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment that helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And that, folks, is the end of the show. Sorry, it's a bit of a long one, but hey, there was a lot of news, and I guarantee you uh, there's going to be a lot more next week. Because, uh, oh boy, do I have tabs? Um, it's not going to be that much, but you know, it's just some stuff that was that was uh, left over. It brought over here, yeah, and probably some other stuff that I'm sure that that uh, 
that's come out since the show's ended. Um, I mean, since the, since Comic Con ended. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, that's for next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will only have what another what week before She Hulk. Uh, she Hulk, yeah, two yeah. weeks, I guess. Yeah, two weeks. So we're still out from that, but hey, stuff still goes on. I have been Radicat. You can find me at Radicat on Twitter. You can find me at News 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 on Twitter. You can find me at TV Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you know what? Matt, what? Matt, um, Matt Wang, Matt Wang 97 on Twitter and Instagram. Go check that man out. Uh, PC underscore dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Network on Twitter. Pop Culture Network.com is on the brothers' little site there in. Tim D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, uh, Comic Book Cron, uh, excuse me, CB Cron on Twitter, uh, The Click Nation on Twitter, that's T-H-E-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word, TheClickNation.com, uh, and also, but most importantly, ComicBook.com, where you go over to write this face off. Definitely have been busy since, the uh, Comic Book Con's, uh, uh, going off, so... Uh, look forward to more stuff from him and, and others from there. Uh, you can find this here program on the coast of the podcast and it's the network that's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast for a place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the coast of the podcast network SoundCloud page. You can find us here every Thursday night recording live um, on youtube.com slash the click nation and twitch.tv slash comic book chronicle 9 30 ish p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, that's it, folks. We're out of here. We will see you next week. This has been the Comic Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Well, Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr.